on top of that, I'm getting high and drinking. I'm floating on cloud nine, watching these niggas thinking. No blinking, you blink too much, you lose your turn. Sleep is the cousin of death, you might as well pick your urn. I've been talking my intentions, now it's time to go and do a ticket where I come from. The influence on my music, you know you turns on this path. Think before you choose it, hold this autograph. Can't get your cash and try to use it. I came here unexpected, I won't leave a legend. Brought up in this hell. How I'm breathing heaven I swear I feel I hear my niggas laughing when I'm bowling Woke up this morning, the weed and alcohol calling Living the life of a man, kicking them hoes out often Ask them when they coming back Knowing that they done lost me, hit them bitches from the back I ain't what all the talking, don't be blowing up my jack Flatline on that cat Let's get this money, then let's make it stats Then let's make history, cause they can't take that back Back the ball on the spending, running up in these women Got a bitch out the movie, take a look how I'm living And do you know what it took? I'll take it back down the road Before the riches and bitches, and the platinum and gold I got it all from the work, no contract in my soul I'm bored up and down, I'm back on them hoes I'm trying to buy my soul from Satan I can't keep up with payments, rings, writings on the wall Got me feeling like a caveman, call that shit the Jay's in, life is so degrading, but to my last statement, I'll keep praying till it's amen, top is where I'm aiming, left the way I came in, I'ma keep on raving till them islands is the Cayman, and my bitch from Mexico, she don't know she next to go, suit yourself to screw yourself, shoot yourself, Mexico, bang, bang, thought you were a giant, couldn't hear no mornings, but I bet you hear them sirens, first I close my eyelids, now everything is quiet, I could go out in silence, but I would prefer to riot. I catch the first throw with my fist raised. Versace stays, my French braids. Had six chains in sixth grade. Say to say that we been slaves. These niggas trying to shoot me. These crackers trying to sue me. Wake up to your favorite actresses. My life is like a movie, boy. Let's get this money. Then let's make it stats. Then let's make history. Cause they can't take that back. Back the ball on the spending. Running up in these women. Got a bitch out the movie. Take a look how I'm living. And do you know what it took? I'll take it back down the road. Before the riches and bitches. In the platinum and gold, I got it all from the work. No contract in my soul. I'm bored up and down. I'm back on them hoes. Heat up in the winter, so I'm cooler come the summer. We out here gambling and Ruba money sucker. PYT and all we up to Cougar. I'm a crusher and I've always been a rebel. Never been a cuffer. You just talk it, you don't does it. To the rules you suffer, you so humble out in public. Computer make you tougher. I got rose by the bottle. Bitches by the carlo. Six or seven new ones. I'm switching up tomorrow. Bitch, I sleep in the Apollo. I'm always on stage. I should take my show to Broadway cause that hallway like a Grave. Can't no bitch get in my mind So I know it's physical I kick out the dimes I think I'm invincible I climb to the top Now I'm pissing off the pinnacle I pray to God that I get rich Getting money spiritual Diamond in my physicals That's why I'ma stand out You won't got your hand in You just got your hand out, son Let's get this money Then let's make it stats Then let's make history Cause they can't take that back Back the ball on the spending Running up in these women Got a bitch out the movie Take a look how I'm living And do you know what it took? I'll take it back down the road Before the riches and bitches And the platinum and gold I got it all from the work No contract in my soul I'm bored up and down I'm back from the hole
Lloyd Banks, Make It Stack. No, that was not my song choice. That was the choice of somebody who donated 25 bucks to the free roll this week. Eric Ryland, sharing some of the wealth from all the big money he won on Ultimate Poker over the last few months. And I appreciate that. And for the last two weeks, we've actually had users choose the opening songs in exchange for free roll money. I'm not sure I'm going to do that every week because I have to admit that I do enjoy... Picking, uh, uh, sorry, you know, uh, actually, never mind. I was going to say something, but I decided not to. But I do enjoy picking my own songs, even if it's not songs that everybody here wants to listen to. At least I pick the songs because it's my show, my site, and um, I enjoy that part of it. But I also hate not taking free roll money that could otherwise go into our free roll. So... Even though I'm not a fan of rap at all. And look, in the chat room right now, Richard Brody's comb over is saying, I got next week. <laughs> so he's going to pick something next week, probably something again that I would never listen to. But uh, nevertheless, uh, you know, if this gets more money to our free roll, I think I'm going to have to keep doing it. So uh, welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friend show. And by the way, Eric Ryland is going to be our co-host tonight, provided I can find him. Uh, let's see, is he online right now? Is he online right now? I think he's online right now. Hmm. I don't think I see him. Well, whatever. If Eric Ryland shows up, uh, or if he's here and I don't see him, then we will have him on as the co-host tonight. And if not, this will be a solo show. Now, this won't be a super low... This won't be a certain... uh, A super long show, I was going to say. Because I've got day two of the main event of the World Series of Poker tomorrow at noon. So I want to feel rested. And even though I could go to bed pretty late and still get plenty of sleep, I don't want to wear myself out talking for a very long time here and then feeling worn out for the next day's event. Because it really does take a lot out of me to just sit here and talk for like four or five hours straight. You may not think so, but it really does. Especially when it's just me talking straight without really stopping for someone else to talk. I used to have long conversations with girls I would date. Now this of course dies down after you've been with a girl a while. But like when I would first start dating a girl, one thing I would always do, and this goes back to the 80s, would be talk on the phone to them for hours each day. The longest phone conversation I had in my life was a girl who I met in the beginning of 2001. We talked for 13 and a half hours in the first night. So uh, while I usually didn't have conversations that long, like four-hour conversations, five-hour conversations were pretty common. And that I could do without my voice hurting or without me feeling tired because I would get a break when I would talk, then she would talk, then I would talk, then she would talk. But when it's just me talking without any break for four or five hours, it's tough. And it takes a lot out of me, and I really want to be in perfect shape tomorrow for day two. Because I'll admit, last year, day three, while I don't remember how awake I was or how I felt physically, I did not play well last year in day three. And that cost me, perhaps, the opportunity to cash. 2011, I played well on day three. I just didn't run well. Last year, neither. So I really want to be able to say every day that I played well at the uh, main event here. So if I go out without cashing, I can say, hey, I did all I could. Not, hey, if I did this differently, then I, I might still be in. I hate that feeling. People in the chat room very uh, 
interested, shall I say, with the 13-hour thing I said. But yes, 13 and a half hours. This is in January 2001. Actually, New Year's Day of all things. That's why I remember it so well. New Year's Day of 2001. Yes, I talked to a girl for 13 and a half hours on the phone. We did not have phone sex, someone asked in the chat. (laughs) At least not during that phone conversation. Uh, But we did meet four days later after 40 hours of talking that week. And yes, we had sex that weekend. So at least there was a payoff. And I saw her for about, uh, I'd say about a month, and then she actually moved out of state. Not related to me, I promise. (laughs) So, anyway, um, someone asked, was I paying by the minute? I actually was. I was actually paying five cents a minute for the long distance call, because she lived 100 miles away from me. And, And someone's saying in chat, 13 hours and you were over 28. Wow. You know, uh, Everybody's got their strengths and weaknesses when it comes to game with women. And what I found over the years was that what I'm best at is talking on the phone to women. That's like that's where I do my best work as far as like uh, getting them to like me. So I figured, you know, if, if that's what I'm good at, if that's what's most effective for me, I might as well use it. And I, I kind of just stumbled onto that over the years. That that's where I am the most effective compared to other guys. So, uh, you know, it did me very well. In fact, the f- reason I have a kid right now, the reason I have my current relationship is partially from long phone conversations. Even though it was someone I knew in person from back in college, when we reconnected four years ago, um, we again talked on the phone like two to four hours every night for about three weeks. Then you saw where that went. So... <laughs> I know that's not for everybody. I'm telling you for me it works. I've just certain things in my life I I realized where my strengths were, where my weaknesses were, where I was kind of in the middle, and I said, you know, wherever I'm good, that's where I'm gonna focus. Because then I'm most likely to have success in those areas. So anyway. Uh back to the show. We have a free roll tonight. I don't want to announce this too late because it's a big, big free roll. Much bigger than we usually have. $140 is the free roll tonight on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. $140 bucks and, and some change. I, I forget the change. $140 and some change in our free roll tonight, donated by a gaggle of users from Poker Fraud Alert. Zero has been donated by me personally. Here is the list of donors. Make sure to get into the free roll now. It starts at 8.05 in 15 minutes. No Limit Hold'em. It's in the No Fraud Online Poker Room. Completely free. Don't even need play chips. Just register an account there and enter. All you need to qualify for the free money is to have a registered account on the Poker Fraud Alert Forum on or before January 1st, 2013. If you have a registered account here on or before that date, you automatically qualify unless you're banned. And if you don't have an account by that date, you need to send me a PM to Dan Space Druff or an email, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com and convince me you've been around for at least a few weeks, either listening to the show or reading the forum. Convince me by telling me what you've seen, what you've liked, what you didn't like, and I will give you a one-time but perpetual exception to earn this money. If you already have the exception, you don't need to do it again. But you need to do it before you play. So here are the different donors for tonight's free roll. We have a lot of them. Snake in the Ass donated six bucks. 
That was from his winnings from uh, one of the events that he bought a piece of me. Same with Hotshot74, who's donated $2.82. Same with Clownbuster, who's donated $2.64. Dirty Ernie donated 8 bucks to a free roll on June 19th for a show we never had, so that's going to be used tonight. Same with Beer and Poker, donated to the June 19th free roll, 5 bucks. Uh, Hockey Guy, 5 bucks on June 19th, again getting rolled over here. Painless One, who's donating $36 of his winnings from his piece of me that he had in event number 37 where I finished fifth. Thank you, Painless One. Eric Ryland, who uh, hopefully I'll locate tonight, 25 bucks for playing that song in the beginning. And the always generous C-Money, who has donated so much to our free rolls on Poker Fraud Alert. 50 bucks this week and 50 bucks for the future at a time I see fit, maybe next week. He donated 100 total, but 50 is going towards this week to make a grand total of $140.62 in this free roll. Actually, is it 62 or 40? I don't know if it's 62 or 46. I have the. I think. I guess it's 46. I guess I printed it wrong. It doesn't really matter. It's only 16 cents. But here's the way it breaks down first place, $70 which is usually more than the whole prize pool of the free roll. 70 bucks for first place. Second place, $40, usually more than our first prize. Third place, $20.46. Fourth place, $10. Decided to only do four places because we're on a special night tonight on Monday, and usually when we have our special nights, we don't have as many people in the free roll because people are used to Tuesday, and uh, they're thrown off when it's on a different night. So I I didn't want to pay too many places. I want to just award the top few. So $10 is the bottom prize for a fourth place. Thank you to all the people who donated to the free roll. PokerFraudAlert.com has given away more money in its free rolls in the past year than any poker podcast on earth. You can verify that if you want. So uh, thank you to all our users who donate to these things, especially the serial donors who keep donating. And I, I really appreciate that. Really, really do. It makes me happy when I see people donate to the free roll. I'm not someone who says, oh, I wish it was going to me. Oh, I wish the site is making money. So, uh, you know, it's fine. If the site loses money, fine. If it doesn't lose money, that's that's great, too. That's better. But uh, I'm not running this thing for money. I'm running this uh, kind of as a hobby and, and kind of as a, a service to the poker community. And, and partly because I've just been part of this uh, community that originated on Neverwin Poker. And you know, a lot of the users here are from there and a lot are from elsewhere. But... Uh, I've been part of this community for now nine years, so it's just something I do to be part of it. That's why I run this site and do this radio show. So, uh, here's the agenda tonight, and again, we will have Eric Ryland as a co-host if he uh, appears. I'm not sure where he is, but uh, I will try to read the chat room as much as I can. If it's just me doing the show, it is tough for me to read the chat room very much since I'm doing the content of the show, controlling the show, and uh, you know, reading the chat room is... Not the priority, obviously, otherwise there will be a big lag in the show, and none of you want that. If there is any problem tonight with uh, the internet cutting out or th- sound quality not being good, etc., etc., it's because I am in a location that has a rather shoddy internet, so uh, hopefully it all works. If it doesn't, I'm doing the best I can with what we have here. So, uh, let me give you the phone numbers to the show 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. That's the main number to call into. Make sure to show your caller ID or you will get a busy signal. 
775-372-8355. 775-FRAUD55 is the number. We also have a second number, and that second number is in peril tonight. And my heart goes out to our second phone number. The Mount Charleston line, and if you've been following the news, Mount Charleston is on fire. There's a bad wildfire up on Mount Charleston. Now, I went and checked on the phone a few nights ago, and the phone was looking okay on the top of the mountain. But uh, I don't know if it's going to survive. We have an old 70s phone sitting on top of Mount Charleston. It forwards to wherever I am. And if that phone burns up, then this... I don't know. It may not work. But you can always try it. 702-430-1808. 702-430-1808 is my Mount Charleston number. And my thoughts and prayers go out to that phone. I hope it survives. So, here is the agenda tonight. Day one of the main event, for me, has concluded. For many others, is still going on as we speak. Day one of the main event was split into three parts. 1A, 1B, and 1C. Starting Saturday, ending today. I played the middle one yesterday. Poker Fraud Alert user Side Dish, or the Side Dish, is playing today. I don't know how he's doing at the moment. Maybe I'll even try to call him and see. I, I don't want to bother him during the event, but uh, the dinner break just ended. But if I can kind of keep track of when the next break is, maybe I'll call him on a break. And uh, we can check in on the Side Dish, who is playing today. And a China Maniac played yesterday. Now, China Maniac ran into a terrible combination of cards and is no longer in the main event. He went out uh, within the first four hours, which uh, was very surprising to him and to me and to everybody because he came in with a a conservative style. He wasn't one of these people who's going to jam all in with a flush draw and just hope it gets there. You know, he came in wanting to get his money in only in the clearly good spots, which I think is a, a wise strategy for the main event since it's so deep and you have so much time and you know, if you have patience, you can really get yourself into good spots. But unfortunately, he just got into all the wrong situations, uh, really new, not through any fault of his own, just the way the cards came down, and he was out. So he was very disappointed about that. I didn't even bother to ask him to host tonight because I know how he must be feeling right now. I believe he went back to Boston, and uh, you know, I feel bad for him, but uh, China Maniac is out of the event. Don't know how Side Dish is doing. I am still in. I'm still in with about an average stack, a little bit above. I will talk about that tonight. Talk about what I encountered on day one, including laying down not only Queen's preflop, but King's preflop. I don't know if I've ever laid down King's preflop in a tournament, because I don't play that many tournaments. And the ones I typically play are just not deep enough to lay down King's preflop. But I did. I laid down King's preflop yesterday. And I'll tell you guys about those hands. I'll tell you guys about some other hands I played, the good and the bad. I had both yesterday. Some of you may know of uh, James Woods, an actor who plays poker. He really likes poker. I've played with him in Commerce before. He plays at the World Series. Uh, He also loves young women. He's 66 years old, but... uh, He dates girls in their 20s, as many male celebrities do. Uh, He was recently photographed with his new 20-year-old girlfriend, who in fact looks even younger than 20. But that's not what I'm going to be talking about tonight. Uh, 
Some of you may remember the show Love Line, which was mainly a California thing, but it, it also aired nationally at one point. Uh, the original host of Love Line, the poor man, who I know personally, has a podcast now. Because he got fired from Love Line 20 years ago. And uh, he does a little podcast now, and he told a little story about James Woods that I want all of you to hear. That's all I'll say right now. <laughs> but you'll you'll hear it. Some of you have already, already heard it who are reading the forum. Um, poker stars. Remember they failed with uh, buying the Atlantic Club and got screwed and wasted $11 million renovating the Atlantic Club only to uh, have the sale fall through? They were left holding the bag. Well, they just... Jump back and rebound it. It's kind of like a kind of like a guy whose girlfriend breaks up with him after he spends all this money on her, and he's all depressed and feels like shit and feels like a sucker, and then just runs out and gets a prettier girl and says, "Hey, I don't care. I'll move on to the next one." Well, that's pretty much what Poker Stars did. So uh, they have a new partner in New Jersey. We'll talk about that. We're going to have on a guest tonight. We don't have many interviews on this show. I kind of wish we had more, but uh, you know, the truth is that I'm I'm just. Not out very often in the poker world I'm not just like out and about constantly in the casino Especially since I had a kid So I'm just not seeing that many people in person To approach them to come onto the show Um, When I used to do my previous radio show One of the other co-hosts Was good at getting people on Because he was out all the time And talked people into being on the show That was never really my forte And I I was never really out all that much in any way to do it So um, we just don't have that many interviews here Plus I really only want to have interviews If they'll be interesting I don't want to just like put on someone for an interview Because they want a bracelet I want to put someone on for an interview Because they'll make an interesting interview So we are definitely going to have an interesting interview tonight With a player that's not all that famous But uh, had something pretty bad happen to him And he's still embroiled in a dispute over it This is a player named Eric Sonstegard And uh He's known as Willing to Die online, but the reason we're going to have him on this show, Poker Fraud Alert Radio, he was a victim of a kind of fraud, and that was theft. He got money stolen from his room at the Rio, he had his iPad stolen from his room at the Rio, and it appears that not only is he telling the truth, it looks like he's got the smoking gun proof that he's telling the truth. So not only do I believe him, it looks like uh, there's no doubt that he's telling the truth and could prove it in the court of law that someone went into his room who should not have been there. So, um, pretty unbelievable story that's unfolding right now, and I feel really bad for the guy. 100% I'm on his side, and I would be just as pissed off as he is right now if I went through what he did. So we're going to have him on the show, and he'll tell you everything that happened and is happening. I'll give my take on it, too. So we also have two recent bracelet winners... Who are a bit different Than most bracelet winners And that is they're both female We have uh, The first one I forget the first one's name Dana Castaneda Won on uh, July 2nd At the thousand dollar no limit hold'em Event number 54 And Just yesterday A second female open event bracelet winner And when I say open event I mean like an event that anyone can enter Not like a ladies event Where it has to be a female winner Lonnie Harwood Who's a much bigger story Because Lonnie Harwood has made Three final tables this year At the World Series of Poker And uh, two of them were at Large field events Which is really hard to do And she won a bracelet yesterday Just 23 years old 
So we have two female bracelet winners, and I will say that both of these females are different than most of the high-profile females in poker. They're both different than what I would say, like Liv Bori and um, all the other ones that you're familiar with, that you see all the time playing. These two are different. These two are kind of more every women. And when I say every women, I mean just women you'd see on the street. They're not glamorous. They're not beautiful. They're not ugly. They're just not, you know, they're just regular women. And they both won bracelets within the past week. And uh, I'm going to play their short interviews with Poker News, and then I'll give my take on both of these women and if, and about play I've seen in general from young women at the World Series and a trend I'm noticing, and I think we're going to see more female winners for this reason. We'll talk about that. Um, another fraud story, since it's Poker Fraud Alert. There's a guy who plays at the Borgata, who they know as the Burger King hat guy. Because, believe it or not, yes, he wears a Burger King hat. (laughs) A paper Burger King hat at the table. Not just like for tournaments. Like, whenever he plays poker, he wears a Burger King hat. I don't know why, but he does. That's his trademark. Well, he went from being eccentric to allegedly a scammer. He allegedly walked away from a poker table without paying $2,000 that he owed to the pot. But it's even worse than that. I'll tell you about that later in the show. Doug Lee. A lot of people don't like Doug Lee. A lot of people hate on Doug Lee on 2 Plus 2. There's even a Twitter account named Doug Lee Poker that is not actually Doug Lee that kind of mocks him. Doug Lee Poker actually has an account, by the way, on Poker Fraud Alert. I won't say who it is, but it's someone with an account on Poker Fraud Alert operates the Doug Lee Poker Twitter account. But no, it's not me. I promise you it's not me. Anyway, uh, Doug Lee did a pretty funny interview with Seriously Serious, who, of course, is a number, another member and uh, sometimes co-host of the show. And I'll play that interview give my comment on the Doug Lee interview. And... Um, few other topics. Uh, World Series of Poker bracelet. The main event bracelet I'm talking about. It's worth more than most of the prizes at the World Series itself. Not more than the main event prize, but worth more than the prize of, say, the event I won. or I, I, Well, yeah, more than the event I won eight years ago and worth more than the event I could have won this year when I finished fifth. It's a $500,000 bracelet. Can you believe that? <laughs> A bracelet worth 500k is what the main event winner will get this year. Now, let's say I win. Let's say I win this main event. Miracles occur. And uh, in October, I walk away with a main event title. I don't know if I'll be able to like walk around with that bracelet on. I- I'll be so afraid that someone would bug me for it. 500k? And when I say worth 500k, I mean like you could actually take all the materials off of it, the diamonds, the gold, and all that, and and sell the individual pieces for 500k. So it's not even something that's like sentimental value of 500k, but isn't really worth it. No, this is really worth 500k in materials. So that's crazy. I think it's too much, because uh, people are going to be afraid to wear it. I mean, I really would be afraid to wear that thing. So... uh, I'll talk a little bit about that. There's not that much to say about it. Uh, Here's some topics brought up by Ryland. So if he comes around, we'll talk about them. Otherwise, we may or may not. Um, 
IvyPoker.com apparently launches a PlayChip Facebook app. Phil Ivy is tweeting now, which he wasn't before. It's kind of surprises me, but he's joined the world of Twitter. I guess he figures if Kobe Bryant can do it, he can too. Uh, remember last week, uh, Lock Poker Pros, Hokey Greg, you know, Greg Tiller, and Jared Hubbard were selling off their lock money. Well, they stopped tweeting completely since uh, that whole thing became an issue. And uh, I don't know anything about this one, so I can only say what Ryland's posting here. But he said, Rich Muni, that's the vice president of the Poker Players Alliance, the PPA, who appeared on the show one time. Uh, he apparently flies first class, according to Ryland. Now, I can't say for sure, because I haven't seen the thread about this or anything. Now, if Rich Muni's paying out of his own pocket, fine. If the PPA is paying for it, that's pretty bad. But I don't know the details, so I won't talk too much about that. But figured I'd mention it since uh, Ryland mentioned it as a topic that he wanted revealed here. So anyway, that's the agenda tonight. I will uh, get to these in order, pretty much. And if... uh, Oh, this is interesting. There's one more story that is being suggested in the chat room by uh, Trader SHKY, another person who's donated many times to the free roll. Um... But uh, I'm going to try not to take too much time on each story because I don't want the show to go on until midnight. I just I just don't want to burn all my energy doing, doing this show and then feel worn out for the main event tomorrow. That's really number one priority, tomorrow's main event. But I didn't want to miss a week. Speaking of missing a week, um, next week, I, I watch out, we may change the show date to again on a Monday instead of a Tuesday. I'll let you guys know about that uh, follow the forum and my Twitter to see if the show's on Monday or Tuesday. The week after that, the July 24th show will not take place. Or I guess the 23rd is the show, but that week it will not there will not be a show. And the week that's uh, two weeks from there, or sorry, three weeks from there, the week of like August 12th or whatever, there won't be a show then either. So there will be two weeks this summer in uh, mid-July and mid-August where there is no show. I will post an update on all that. And I apologize for that, but look, I've been making a lot of effort to get these shows out, even when it's very inconvenient, even when I'm traveling, even when I'm playing the main event, even when I'm playing preliminary events. I've really tried in every way to get these shows out once a week, even if I had to change the day. And uh, sometimes I just can't. Sometimes there's just not any days I can do it. And that'll happen twice this summer, but that's all I anticipated happening. Then after that, we should have a show pretty much every week till the end of the year. Uh, Let me quickly jump to the topic, the extra topic here. This is from Poker News. This was just sent to me. It's, uh, It's breaking news, and I cannot give breaking news on this show without the appropriate soundbite. This is breaking news. Wait a minute, no it's not. I feel like a fool. Well, thank you anyway, uh, Trader SHKY, though. I think it's an interesting interesting story. It's just uh, four days old. It's just uh, I hadn't heard of it. So thanks for bringing it to my attention. I just feel like an idiot for saying it's breaking news. (laughs) But uh, event number one, which is the Casino Employees event, the guy who finished 11th, Troy Wilcoxon, according to Poker News, bought into the event from a 
from with proceeds from a casino heist. <laughs> Apparently, Wilcoxon and his friend James Noylet are facing burglary, theft, and money laundering charges in Asotin County Superior Court after they apparently stole $25,000 in an early morning heist on May 23rd. A few days later, the duo rented a car and drove 15 hours to Las Vegas where they spent eight days. This is according to the uh, Spokesman Review, which is a, uh, a newspaper. And uh, so they're claiming that they stole 25000 and then got to Vegas. And then Troy Wilkopson's like, hey, you know, I guess he was some kind of casino employee, qualified for that event, and said, hey, I might as well buy into this uh, $500 event with some of the money. So he did, and then finished 11th and cashed 5K. <laughs> That's crazy. But not that crazy. You know what the truth is? You look at all these people playing the World Series, and you I sometimes do this. I look around the room, and I think, where do people get all the money? Where do people come up with this money? Yes, some people just have the money because they're, they're successful. Others are degenerate gamblers who are gambling their bottom dollar on that tournament. Others borrowed the money. Others even scammed the money from others. And then there's the ones I wonder about, you know, that maybe are drug dealers or uh, stole the money in some way like these people did. Embezzled the money. A lot of money that's spent on gambling came from illicit sources. I wouldn't say most of it, but a lot of it, a lot more than you would think, came from some sort of illicit source, some sort of criminal source. So um, you like to think that just the people playing at the poker table with you are either playing with past winnings or are playing with with just money they made at their job or, or maybe even are playing with money they inherited. Or maybe they satellite it in. That's what you like to picture when you're sitting there playing. But that's not the truth. The truth is there's a lot of shady money in poker. I mean, you shouldn't be feel bad about winning it. It's not your responsibility as a player to worry about where all the buy-ins came from. That's the casino's responsibility. That's the police's responsibility. But it's the truth that you're going to have people at your table that bought in with some kind of shady money. Some sort of dirty money went into the uh, prize pool in every tournament. I guarantee you that. So this is just one of many examples. I mean, we've had cases, we've had at least two cases in the past uh, several years of people who killed their parents for inheritance money so they could gamble. We had uh, Ernie Shearer who killed his parents and was convicted of it. And we had this Asian guy. I don't know I don't know whatever happened to him and his case was not as well known as the Shearer case, but an Asian guy who was actually pulled out of the 200-400 game a few years ago at Commerce. 200-400 limit game. He was pulled out of the game by the police and taken to prison for murdering his parents for inheritance money to play that game. So, I mean, that's pretty sick. Not one, but two people did this. Killed their parents for money to gamble with. So if people are willing to kill their parents for gambling money, you can imagine what else they will do. That isn't quite as bad as murder, but uh, still is fraudulent in some way. Or... Uh, Results of some kind of illegal activities like drug dealing. So anyway, interesting story there. Let me uh, get to the first topic here. People are telling me in the chat room that they're unhappy I'm bringing up this topic here because uh, it's old. It's four days old. Well, hey, it's you know it's new since the last show, 
and it's new to me. And that's all that matters, that it's new to me. I'm like, oh, wow, can't believe that happened. Like, for me, it's like it just happened a minute ago. All right, uh, the main event, for me, that didn't happen a minute ago. That happened yesterday. I chose day 1B of the three first days to play because I felt that day gave me the best chance of having a table where there will be the fewest number of pros. And that's my goal. Some people play poker because they want to face the very, very best. They play it for the uh, competitive element because they enjoy competition against the very best. And you know what? If a lot of money wasn't at stake, I would probably play for that reason too. Because you know, nobody wants to play against terrible opponents in just a game for fun. Like uh, you know, like when I used to play video games online occasionally. I was never a big gamer. When I did, I, I didn't want to play against horrible players that I would slaughter every time. I wanted to play against good people. Not like way, way better people who I didn't have a chance against, but like people around my skill level are a little bit better. Uh, but there wasn't money involved in that. When there's money involved... And when you're playing poker trying to win prizes and trying to win money, uh, you should want to take whatever path you can to get to that money the most, you know, the easiest way without breaking the rules or cheating in any way. So what you're hoping for when you play a, a tournament like the World Series of Poker main event is to go against weaker opponents and get chips from those weaker opponents a lot more easily than you would from tougher opponents. Because you'll face the tougher opponents later anyway if you get deep in the tournament. But um, Now, unfortunately, there's not much you can do to control who you're seated with, but I found at the main event that uh, the middle days tend to be the best because you have a lot of pros who love the last day. I mean, go, go take a look on Poker News, all the names that are playing the last day. Now, it's true the last day has, about, has more people than the first two days combined, so you do have to keep that in mind. But still, look at all the tough pros that chose to play today. And you will see that today is just a really, really popular day with the pros. And I believe more than a 2-to-1 factor, even though, the, uh, you know, e- even though the overall population playing today is about a 2-to-1 factor compared to the other two days. But still, I think you have a higher concentration of tough pros on the final day you know, per player than you do on the first two days. The first day I didn't want to play just because, uh, well, two things. First, I don't really like the two-day break in between day one and day two. I like having one-day break. And second, a lot of times on the first day, I still think you get more pros who just kind of want to get it out of the way, either win or go home. So I like the middle days. I think you get a lot more recreational players. I do like to also play on a weekend because I think you're also more likely to get a casual player on the weekend than you are on the weekdays. So I chose day 1B And I got a pretty good table Pretty good meaning A table that wasn't that tough That's not to say everybody at my table was bad Uh, We had a guy who finished I think 23rd at the 2010 main event I don't even know his name You can probably look him up And that year I finished 88th So we had him He obviously wasn't bad Um, Had a French guy at the table Who uh I have to say it was kind of tough to play against, but eventually he exposed some weaknesses that uh, I was able to take advantage of. And uh, a very aggressive player, though. And then we also had uh, eh, just just a collection of, of players, you know, some decent, some not so good. 
But I'll tell you what I didn't have at the table was any like really really tough pros that I'm like uncomfortable playing against. There weren't. There was not anyone at the table. I'm like, oh my god, this person just a nightmare to have at your table. Like I didn't have anyone like that at the table. Some decent players, but no one that was like just incredibly tough. And we definitely had some very weak players. We had at least two really weak players at the table, and then uh, some other ones that were kind of mediocre, but but still far far like worse than I was, which is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for people who are clearly. Worse than I am Not not worse than I am in my head Not worse than I am with my deluded ego But where there's no question That they are substantially worse players than I am And you, you know what I'm talking about You've been at a poker table You know there are certain people that There's no question That even the most impartial observer Possible Would say that that person is much worse than you that, That's what we had at this table With a number of the people So That's what I was shooting for in fact, I have said before that it's actually more important to have no good players at your table than it is to have a lot of bad players and a few good players. It's actually better to have an absence of good players than a presence of bad ones, and I still believe that. And that's what I had yesterday, for the most part, was an absence of good players. I'm not saying everyone was bad. I'm not even saying that I was far and away the best at the table. I'm saying that uh, we didn't have any super tough players at the table. And I'm saying that uh, we had a few bad ones. There was no one at the table that was like just really, really difficult to handle. And that's what I was looking for. And that's why I played day 1B. So, um, unfortunately for me, despite the table draw being pretty good, and I was at that table for most of the day, for the final level, most of the final level I was moved to a different table. But um, I was at that table most of the day. And unfortunately the... Weakest two players, both of whom busted. I didn't get many of their chips or any of their chips. I really couldn't get anything going. Um, I got a lot of very big hands at the beginning. I flopped top set of jacks. Um, I, I made a flush. I mean, the nut flush, that is. I made a lot of big hands that could have won a lot of money if I had anybody really calling me. But either it was like check fold on the flop... When I would hit something huge Or, uh, you know, like I'd flop a flush draw Someone would make a continuation bet I'd call, then check check on the turn Then I'd make the riffer, I'd bet, and they'd fold So then it would turn out they'd have like king high And that's why they stopped betting It wasn't even like they made a great read or anything They just had absolutely nothing So, um, I just wasn't getting money Out of my big hands But I was losing money on my big hands I had to lay down queens and kings near the beginning of the tournament. Queens and kings separately pre-flop. Not post-flop, pre-flop. Now, something I've noticed at the main event from my uh, nine years of playing it, and I can tell you after, you know, this is my ninth year. I've played since 05. I'll tell you the first year I played, I was pretty clueless as far as uh, what to expect there, and, and I, I didn't play it well. Uh... As time passed, I got more and more familiar with what to expect and what the right strategy is there. And and eventually I learned that the strategy for the main event should be a lot different than it is for all the other tournaments. It's like radically different. Now, yes, there are some successful strategies you can employ in the main event that are very different from mine. But um, I I determined that for the type of player I am, I came up with a certain strategy that was different than... uh, other tournaments I play And I'm not going to reveal 
all the elements of my strategy here, obviously, because people could be listening to this show who are going to play me tomorrow. But uh, I can tell you from observing the players at the main event that one of the weaknesses I see that I don't have is that they cannot lay down hands. Um, a number of the players have gotten pretty good at uh, trapping. They've gotten pretty good at uh, value betting. They've gotten pretty good at uh, pot control. A lot of good skills people have at this tournament, but there's one thing that most people lack, and that is the ability to lay down hands. Everybody wants to be a Kenny Tran hero caller. Now, not as much as Kenny Tran was that one year, but uh, you know what I mean. People just don't want to fold if they've got a decent hand. And I don't mean something like nuts over second nuts or something. I'm talking about uh, top pair. People don't like folding top pair. Now, I'm not saying you should always get run off a top pair, but I'm seeing people not folding top pair when it's obvious it's beat. I'm seeing people not folding queens pre-flop when it's obviously it's beat. I'll give you an example. Uh, Soy Wen. He uh, he made the final table the year I finished 88, three years ago in 2010. He was actually at my table where I busted from. Uh, he went out this year, either day 1A or 1B, I think it was 1A, very early in the day, getting it all in with queens. Like, I don't understand how somebody who could have made the final table of the main event in 2010 can get it all in with queens, pre-flop, at the beginning of the main event that runs so deep. <laughs> Later in the tournament, sure. Later in the tournament, you know, when nobody is that deep anymore. Sure, of course. And if you happen to be against Kings or Aces, you know, that's just tough luck. But uh, the beginning of the event, to just shoot it all off with queens, pre-flop, it's, I just couldn't believe it. Uh, now, you expect that out of donks in the event, but you see a lot of people that just can't lay down queens pre-flop under any circumstances. You see people who can't uh, lay down top pair. You see people who just have a hard time making laydowns. And um, I think that's one of the bigger weaknesses of people who play in this event, especially at the beginning, especially during the first day. I read some of these updates on Poker News, and provided they're accurate, which they always aren't, but uh, provided they're accurate, I, I sometimes just scratch my head and say, wow, how did the person get this much money in with that hand at the beginning of the tournament? It's crazy. So um, I wasn't like that. I did not make one call yesterday on the river and lose. Not once. Every single time I folded... Um, well, I can't say every single time I folded because I didn't see the cards, but, but uh, every single time I called the river or even bet the river and got called, I either won or chopped. And I'm proud of that because it shows I'm making correct reads. It shows that I'm not uh, calling off my stack with second best. It shows that uh, I'm not uh, throwing away my chips in that fashion. Now, of course, I could have the opposite problem where I'm folding too much. And I think some of my opponents believed that yesterday, and I'll get to some examples of that. But it ended up uh, backfiring on them. But anyway, I played the main event yesterday. And I just couldn't get anything going. When we went to dinner, I had only 26K. And you start with 30K, so that's not very good. And, you know, it's a very slow first day 
Each level takes two hours. You start playing uh, with 100, 200 blinds, no ante. You then go to 153. Uh, or sorry, I think you start with 1500 blinds. Is that what it is? Yeah, it is 1500 blinds. Because 1500, 75, 150, 100, 200, 153, and, and 24. That is what it is. And that's what you end with is 24. And it's, it's uh, two hours for each one. So uh, you're only playing 200, 400 with a 50 ante on the 10th hour of play. And you start with 30k chips, so it's very, very deep. And there's a lot of like real play involved. It's not just like raise, re-raise, all in, all in, call, call, you know, and then run out the board, like a lot of these other tournaments are. So a lot of post-flop play. And uh, you have to make good reads. You have to know where you are in hands, or you're going to shoot off all your chips when you're second best. So... Tell you a few hands I, I had there. I don't like making this a strategy show, but I'll tell you about a few hands. Uh, early on, I had pocket queens in the small blind. Uh, the blinds were at the time uh, 100, 200. Somebody raised f- to 450. Next person flatted, came to me in the small blind. I made it 1500 or so with my queens. The original raiser then made it. 3,600, and I knew I was in deep shit when that happened. It was actually the guy who finished 23rd in 2010. He made it 3,600 at that point. And I just had a strong feeling he had aces right there. Or at least kings. I was very unhappy to see that. Well, I was even more unhappy to see the original flatter then went all in for his final 9,600. So at this point, I knew I was screwed. Now you would think, oh, that's an obvious fold. Oh, and only an idiot would not fold queens there after all that. I can't tell you what a high percentage of the field, including the good players, would not fold queens there. They would tell you they'd fold queens there, but they wouldn't fold queens there. I can't tell you how many pros with a good reputation, pros that are probably otherwise better no-limit tournament players than I am, that would not fold the queens there. So anyway, I folded the queens there. Turned out the original razor had kings, or sorry, the original razor had had aces. The guy who flatted and, and then shoved to the raise had kings. I thought it was reversed. I thought it was uh, the flatter had aces and the uh, original razor had kings. But you know, either way, I knew I was screwed by at least one of them and pr- possibly both. And I was screwed by both. So I folded. Would not have won the hand. The guy with the kings busted. The guy with the aces. Uh, Won some money, but he was disappointed that I folded. Now, at that point, I made a mistake, and not a play mistake, but a table talk mistake. Uh, and Everybody saw I was kind of like sitting there for a little while deciding what to do with my hand. I didn't want to act... Uh, even though I knew I should probably fold, I had to just like s- stop and think for a second. So, I mean, people knew I was tanking about something. I didn't tank really, really long, but they knew I was tanking about something. So, they asked me what did I have there. And I could have said, hey, I'm not telling you, but because of that that interesting way the hand went down and knowing this crazy situation where it's queens, kings, and aces all in one hand, I told them. I told them I had queens, which I shouldn't have done. I should have either lied or, or uh, I should have said like I had you know eights or something or ace-queen or make up some BS that makes it an obvious fold. I mean, not that the queens wasn't pretty clear to fold too, but just to not give them as much of an idea that I can lay down queens. So... um 
I stupidly told them I had queens. Kind of got caught up in the moment there, which I regretted later. And uh, people were like, oh, wow. So I think, unfortunately, that and some other hands that went down after that established a table image for me that I was a folder. Now, what I mean by a folder is that somebody who you can pressure into folding. Somebody that you can bluff raise, and even if he's got a good hand, we'll lay it down if he doesn't have something super strong. I can actually tell you folders are not all that common at the main event, as I was just saying earlier with my little speech about how people just call off, and it's true. But I think that some people, some more observant people at the table, not the donks, but uh, uh, specifically the guy who finished 23rd in the main and the French guy, I think they really got the idea that I was a folder. And uh, and people started to take advantage of that. But uh, fortunately, it worked out in my favor. Because I, I started to sense that this is what was going on. And said, I'm going to play back at this. I'm going to wait for them to hang themselves to think I'm a folder. So they, they didn't just think I was a folder from that hand. They thought I was a folder also from some other hands where they didn't see what I had or know what I had. But just where uh, the way the betting would go, I would end up folding uh, to some pressure. Just because I didn't have that good of a hand or because I knew they didn't have anything. Like an example. Uh, I had pocket aces against the French guy. I raised, he called in the big blind, flop came all spades. I did not have a spade. He checked, I bet, he called. He called very quickly. I knew he had a spade. I knew he's calling for a spade here. Uh, the turn, a blank. He checked. I made a bigger bet than I normally would have. I didn't make a huge bet because it possibly could have flopped a flush or... Or whatever, so I didn't want to commit too much money to it But I, I made a bigger bet than I normally would have Thinking he probably is sp- chasing a spade draw And I want to charge him for it He quickly called Spade on the river, he insta-fires out at me I knew he had it, I didn't even call I folded He didn't know I had aces, I didn't show the aces But uh, you know, he knew I had something probably And I folded So I think he got the idea he can run me off This is the first hand I played against him so anyway, hands like that. And, and by the way, I'm sure I made a good fold there. Because uh, just, you know, sometimes you're just playing someone and you know what they have. They might as well be like playing their hand face up. And I, I'm telling you, the way he called the flop and the turn, I was just about sure he had a spade. Maybe even the ace of spades. But he, I, he, I'm pretty sure he had a spade. I'd be shocked if he didn't have a spade there. So uh, I'm, I'm you know, very convinced I made the right lay down there. But uh, here's a few hands that happened later. Uh, I had pocket jacks. In the small blind again. I keep getting these good pairs in the small blind, which is kind of tough sometimes. Uh, the French guy opened. I three bet from the small blind. He called. Flop came ace ace deuce. I had jacks. Ace ace deuce with two diamonds. I bet. He called. The turn was a queen, not a diamond. So now I had to think well, do I fire another bullet or do I just check fold to him? The problem with firing another bullet is that uh, if he's got a flush draw, he's going to call again, maybe even raise. And then if I check the river, then he's going to uh, bet that out, and I'll probably have to fold or lose a lot of chips if he's had an ace the whole way. Um, you know, What if he has like a queen-high flush draw and just hit the queen and isn't going to let it go? Um, the problem was here that um, I was afraid, being out of position, that I'd be forced to pay for two substantial bets on the Turn and river with his jacks with two aces and a queen on the board. The downside to not betting would be that uh, if he's just calling one with a pocket pair worse than mine, that now he can run me off the hand by betting. So I decided to check. He bet. Not very big. He bet something like 2800 into like a $7,500 pot. 
I thought about it and I folded And then he proudly flashed pocket fours to me For a bluff and Not a complete bluff He had po- he had pair of fours But uh, you know Obviously much worse than Jack's But I was out of position What was I going to do there I would have had to probably call the, the turn and call the river Now maybe if I fired on the turn he would have folded But maybe he would have put a move on me and raised me Who knows So I decided just to uh, But anyway after he showed those fours I didn't tell him I had jacks I didn't tell him anything In fact I, I, I said nice hand And I didn't even say it in a sarcastic way I said it like uh, like Oh nice hand Like, like alright you got me Whatever Like I, I tried not to act pissed or frustrated at all After that happened But I was like oh boy Uh I wonder if I'm starting to get a rep here that I'm folding too much. Well, I'm not sure if it was before or after this hand. These are all around the same time. A new guy moved to the table who did not see the queen's hand and did not hear about the queen's hand, so it wasn't because of that. But this new guy at the table who I, I pegged as like a uh, an amateur but not a terrible amateur, like like an okay amateur, like somebody who's not clueless but isn't good either. And he said later on he was a recreational player. Um, someone raised. He three bet. I four bet to forty two hundred. And then he five bet to like eleven thousand. Eleven thousand and change, like eleven thousand seven hundred or something, I think. So if I had called, we we both had about the same stack. We both would have had about uh, you know a little bit more than twenty k behind. I think he would have like twenty five k behind. I would have like twenty two k behind. If I had called that 5 bet for another like 7k or 7.5k I think I would have to put in The problem is I wouldn't have known where I was um, If the flop came all low what do I do? If he goes all in what do I do? He could have queens He could have the other kings He could also have aces He could also even have ace king and just be firing it off Because he feels pot committed So I decided the problem is barring a king on the flop I really won't have any any more information where I am in the hand than where I was in the hand uh, pre-flop. So I decided to lay it down. I laid down my kinks. I didn't think I'd tell the story on here, but it, I decided it doesn't really matter at this point because we're not uh, we're not in the same spot in the tournament anymore. Now, now that it's deeper in the tournament, it's going to be a lot harder to lay down kings unless uh, it's you know two really big stacks against each other. So uh, I'm not that worried about someone putting that move on me So But anyway yeah I laid down kings there Because he 5 bet me for so much And I knew based on both of our stacks That we I'd pretty much be committed to call him Unless I've you know Maybe if an ace flopped I couldn't but uh, I decided I'd wait for a better spot And uh, you know that was That was tough to do But um This guy, uh, this guy basically was gonna was committing himself. Maybe if he had ace king, he would have check folded to a bad flop. Maybe if he had queens, he would have folded if an ace or king came on the flop. But uh, you know, he was. Uh, I, I think he was out of position. I don't remember the positions anymore, but uh, I think he was. But whatever. Once he put in eleven something k pre flop. And the pot will be like 20-something K And he has about 20-something K And I believe he was first to act I mean, he's pretty much committing himself no matter what he has 
So I just didn't want a Kings over Aces thing And I'm out there I just I didn't want that And this is a recreational player This wasn't some like uh, Hotshot internet kid who, who thought he could five bet me off This this was some Recreational player I could tell it was a recreational player It just looked too much like Aces So I let it go Someone saying in the chat Druff just didn't want to bust day one Laying down Kings what a joke I didn't want to bust day one in that fashion. I don't want to bust day one with kings over aces early in the tournament, or aces over kings, where it's uh, so deep and you have so many chances to get your money in good. That was my strategy. I said, uh, you know, I'm not going to get my money in questionable spots here unless I'm really convinced the guy's full of it. Like if if we had a, a crazy type who was always shoving his money in, of course I'd have to take some chances and gamble with him, but uh, but not some recreational player who who five bets me and, and then pot commits himself. I, I just can't do that with Kings uh, that, in that stage of the tournament. In this stage of the tournament, when I come back tomorrow, I probably have to call off the Kings. But uh, but not not yesterday at that stage. Someone asking what Dreffa folded aces in that spot. Uh, I, I would never fold aces. Absolutely never, except in a uh, a satellite. So, uh, funny thing is, I asked him after we our table broke what he had, and he didn't he either was lying to me or he legitimately forgot. He told me he didn't know. Now it was many hours later because this happened near the very beginning, but uh, he said, "I'm sorry, I don't remember." And he seems sincere about it too. But it's possible he didn't remember because I remembered the hand well since I laid down kings. I'll never forget that my whole life. But for him, he didn't know I had kings. So, as far as he saw it, he five bet me with aces, and I laid down my hand. And as far as he knows, I was just trying to bluff four bet, and then he re-raised me big, and I'm like, oh, forget it, and folded, and he made four thousand chips off me, which isn't that much. So, you know, maybe for him that wasn't that exciting of a hand. He re-raised aces and I folded and that was it. If he knew what I folded, he would have remembered it for sure. But he didn't. So, anyway. Um, That was what... uh, That was some of my hands yesterday. I also had, unfortunately, a... uh, a bad spot yesterday. Fortunately, it didn't cost me that much. Uh, pocket eights. The board came king eight two against the same guy who had what I think the aces. Um, king eight two all hearts. Turned out the guy flopped a flush with nine five of hearts. But fortunately, a fourth heart hit the turn, and we checked it down from there. He never even tried to value bet me, so uh, got off cheap on that one. I'm sure he was looking to pop me on the turn if there was a blank. Would have been nice if the board paired on the turn, but uh, you know, a fourth heart was a second best result. Letting me off easy But I was so frustrated after that happened I'm like, damn it, how many times? I had to lay down queens and I was right I had to lay down kings, I was probably right I had my aces cracked with this four flush After investing a good deal of money into it Now I flop a set of eights And turned out I was against the flush the whole way So when I went to dinner With 26k I thought to myself, well this sucks I really was hoping to do better, especially with a table that wasn't that good. You know, that is, the players weren't that good. But uh, on the other hand, after all I've been through here, to have almost the starting stack is not that bad. 
I know many players who would have busted several times over here probably. And I have 26K. So for that I was proud. And I, I went with a side dish. I met the side dish for the first time yesterday. And uh, you know he's been on these forums forever. He posts occasionally here on Poker Fraud Alert, and he's playing right now. But uh, I, I went to dinner with him to the Voodoo Steakhouse of the Rio. I did something very undruff-like. They actually messed up my steak pretty badly, and I did not send it back. They, they totally overcooked it. I asked for a medium. They brought me a well-done steak. But I just didn't have time. It was the dinner break, so I had to just eat it. <laughs> so uh, Anyway, I told him at the dinner break, I said, I'm looking to finish with 50K today. I got 26 now. This would not have been my beginning of the day goal, but now that I've come to dinner with 26, if I could finish with 50, which will be around average, I'll be happy. So I finished with almost 54. So based upon what I said at dinner, I'm happy. Because average is like 46. So for all practical purposes, I'm average. But uh, I'm happy enough with average after how the beginning of the day went. Um, but here is Druff's Revenge And then I'll stop with the strategy talk Druff's Revenge was the following Remember I said they were seeing me as a folder And I'm like You know what I'm going to let these people hang themselves I'm going to let them see me as the 40 year old guy that they can run off hands And then Let them String their own noose The first one happened When I was up against that guy who Went deep in the main And uh, I called him for the big blind Flopped two pair Check raised him He three bet me I called I checked He bet again on the turn Popped him with a big bet And then, then he folded and showed me nine high And he said oh Well thought you didn't have anything and fold, And showed me nine high no draw Kind of funny to to show the bluff that's unsuccessful when you don't have to, but that's what he did. He showed me the nine high draw, nine high bluff with no draw, and uh, and said that he thought he could. Uh, he said, "I thought you didn't have anything." I, I believe he uh, he was doing this more because he thought he could run me off. He just didn't want to say that to be rude. Uh, but the French guy, the French guy who um, who showed me the fours earlier. Ran me off the jacks I said you know what This guy's so aggressive Not just the hand I was in But he was He was opening so many pots He was just a, a Pretty aggressive player And I said Alright he got me with these fours He's very proud of himself He thinks he can run me off hand I'm going to wait till I get a monster against him And I'm going to take his chips So Just as we were beginning The last level of the day I had pocket kings I opened from under the gun I saw him looking at his chips and thinking, come on, come on, re-raise me, re-raise me. Well, he re-raises me. I raised to 1,000. He made it like 2,500. Folded back around to me. I kicked it up to 7,000. Now you say, why am I doing that? Why don't I just slow play it? Well, because I know he's going to call. This guy loved to, once you re-raise him, he was never laying it down. He wants to call and see a flop. So I figured I might as well charge him. Now, if I, if I shoved all in, then he wouldn't, he wouldn't have called. But um, I, I figured 7,000 was enough to get him to call. So I said, I'm going to make it 7,000. He's going to call it, and then if the flop is good, which is pretty much anything without an ace, because uh, at this point I only had less than 20k behind, so I was pretty much committing myself, barring a bad flop, and I was out of position. But I thought, if I have 
any kind of decent flop, any non-ace flop, I'm going to induce this guy to get the rest of his chips in. So the flop came better than I could have hoped for. King, queen, deuce. Rainbow. So I had to put on the act. I didn't want to just check right there. I wanted to put on an act as if I had pocket jacks. I, I pictured in my mind, let's turn these kings into jacks. How would I feel and what might I do? So I looked down at my 19-ish K stack. I start counting it out. I try to look nervous. I try to look confused like I don't know what to do. Like I've gotten a lot of my chips in here. I'm out of position. Now I don't know if I want to fire a continuation bit that might commit me. Now, in reality, I'm thrilled I've got the freaking top set, but I'm trying to make it look like I have jacks and I kind of don't know what to do. So after counting out my chips and trying to give like a, a little bit of a look of frustration, I check. Hoping he's going to bet? No, he checks too. I'm thinking, shit. Either he caught on that I was running an act here or he has nothing. The turn was a total blank, like a four. So I said... All right, I can't check again because if he's got a hand he wants to show down, he's going to try to. He'll probably just want to check it down. So I thought, okay, let's say I really did have jacks here and I want to try to take the pot. What do I do? What would I do if I had jacks here? So I thought, well, what I'd probably do is I'd probably make a bet big enough to take the pot, but small enough to where I can still fold and have a playable stack. So with like 19K and with like 15K in the pot already. I thought 10K would be a decent bet in that spot if I was trying to give myself an out to fold. So I bet 10K, and I'm thinking, I hope he recognizes here that the reason I'm betting 10K and not going all in is because I'm trying to like buy the pot here, but I'm giving myself outs to fold, basically. So that's exactly what he probably thought. Because he sat there thinking about it. And I thought, oh shit, this guy's got ace-queen. He's got ace-queen, and he, he doesn't know if... <laughs> he thinks he might have the best hand. He thinks I might have just committed myself. And yet he probably doesn't want to fold, because, he, because I checked you know, I checked on the flop, and I you know did that whole nervous act, and now I'm trying to do this, like, bet half my stack here and leave myself with something to fold. So, after some thought... He put me all in. I snap called. He had ace queen just like I thought. He was drawing dead, and that was that. Thank you very much. I'll double up, go up to 54K. And that's pretty much where I stayed the rest of the day. There's only like two more hours to play. They did something really stupid. Uh, they moved our table. They moved. They broke our table like five hands after that. They moved me to the very next table to break. So I asked, why are you doing that? Why, why move me to a table... And by the way, I just paid my small and big blinds too. But that's just the luck of the draw. But I said, why move me to the next table to break? Why not not give a seat card out from that table? And so I, I asked the guy very nicely. I just said, you know, why am I being moved to a table that's going to break in a few minutes? And he says, they have a right to a full table just like you do. Which is a ridiculous answer because they had eight people. They don't need a ninth person. They can do without a ninth person for a few minutes. In fact, the World Series rules state that they can have seven people and still play. So if they really want to move an eighth person, they're fine. But why, why fill the table up with nine just to make the guy move minutes later? And sure enough, I put like four hands I got moved to another table. 
So I stayed at that last table, pretty much traded small pots back and forth, and finished with that same 54K. That's where I am. So uh, I'm a little above average, as I said, average from a combined uh, day 1A and B, which is uh, 1,880 survivors out of 2,800-something. About 65% of the people survived. Average there is 46K between everybody. And I've got around 54. So it's above average, but not much above average. Pretty much average. It's fine. Start again tomorrow. Hope I run well. Day three has been my difficult day in uh, the last two years, for sure. Last two years, I made day three, and both times did not make it out of day three. Last year, I did not play well on day three. This year, I'm, I'm trying not to make any big mistakes on any of the days. I'm trying to be really careful, careful for that. Literally, the stakes are so high. So, that's pretty much an overview of how my day went. Tell your friends playing against me tomorrow that uh, I can fold Kings pre-flop, tell them to bluff five-bet me, and tell them to uh, put a lot of pressure on, and I'll fold. (laughs) Forum Wars in the chat says, Druff will come in 46th place this year's main event. You hear it here first. You know what? Well, I'll, I must admit that when I actually finish 46th, I'll probably be a little disappointed that I don't make it to the final table. Probably feel like I'm so close yet so far away, but at this point, I'll be happy to take 46th. And I'll say, if I finish 46th, not only will I give Forum Wars props for his amazing ability to predict the future with 6,300-something people in the tournament that I'll finish 46th after day one, but... Uh, at this point in the tournament, I'll be very happy with 46 and the money that comes with it. I realize at this point that uh, anything can happen. By no means am I a favorite to cash when I'm average after day one. I still need a lot of luck from this point. But, uh, you know, I've always said as long as you have average chips in the tournament, anything can happen, and it's not surprising that anything will happen. From average, you can go up to chip leader without too much occurring that's uh, shocking, and you can bust without too much occurring that's shocking. So, 63.52 was the field this year. Very fi- similar field to last year. I don't know if it's bigger or smaller, but very, very close. And, uh, you know, I hope it goes well. If it doesn't, then uh, it's always next year. I was kind of hoping after the fifth place that uh, I got at the 5K limit that I'd have another shot to win some big money this year. And the other events, it just didn't happen for me. So we'll see. Speaking of the 5K limit, the winner of the 5K limit from this year, Michael Moore, the 64-year-old guy from South Dakota, he was at my table and he was sitting directly next to me. (laughs) I was seat one, he was seat nine. What a coincidence. We both couldn't believe it that we were at each other's table. He was actually very tight. One thing I noticed about Michael Moore, though, and this is actually uh, typical of limit players, he always continuation bet after the flop, which was a little bit annoying to me because every time he C-bet against me, I had absolutely nothing and couldn't do anything about it. 
Like I totally had nothing when I was in, in pots with him where he raised and I called and then he would continuation bet. Every single time I had nothing when he continuation bet. Now, I won a few hands against him where I was the aggressor and he folded, but uh, um, this guy continuation bet every single time, and he did this because he's used to being a limit player, and in limit, for the most part, that's correct. There are some times you shouldn't in limit also. Uh, it's it's much more correct and no limit to check behind than it is in, in limit on the flop. So uh, he definitely played it like a limit player, but he played uh, he played pretty tight. He played like a tight, aggressive game, so he didn't play bad. And uh, we, me and him didn't get in any big pots. We were in... Various small pots together And I'd say we about broke even against each other Maybe he won a little bit off me So uh, Let me move on to the next topic I'm going to skip actually to another topic The topic I'm going to skip to Is a disturbing situation That happened at the Rio we have a guy named Eric Sonstegard. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Eric Sonstegard, known as Willing to Die. That's Willing Number Two Die. That's his uh, screen name, and that's the name he uses on Twitter. He had an unfortunate story from the Rio that I mentioned last week. This is what he tweeted last week. Damn! Just rolled back to my room at the Rio, and my iPad and 3K in cash are gone. Rough start to the trip. The Rio security folks were nice, but this completely sucks. Had to be an employee. Don't be an idiot like me. Lock your shit up in the safe. Please retweet. So basically, uh, Eric left his stuff out. He left his money in his suitcase. He left his iPad just out charging. He came back, and it was gone. The suitcase was there. The money was gone. The iPad was gone. He did not have Do Not Disturb on the door. He assumed the maid came in, cleaned the room, saw this stuff, and helped herself to it. And that was my theory as well. I thought there was a small chance he was making this up, but it just didn't seem like it. I believed the guy. I really believed the guy. In fact, when I posted on uh, Poker Fraud Alert on June 28th about this matter, uh, I said, I don't think he's lying. I think it's either uh, the employee stole from him or uh, one of his scumbag friends stole from him and he doesn't realize it yet. But definitely I think he got stolen from and he's telling the truth about everything. Now, the interesting thing that I thought would eventually come out here and did is the key situation. See, back in the 80s, they would hand you a physical key to go into your hotel room. There was no Rio in the 80s, but whatever hotel you stayed at in the 80s and before, they'd hand you a physical key, you know, like the key to your house, and, and you'd open the door with that key. And so if anybody entered the room, there'd be no record of it, a key... A physical metal key doesn't keep records, obviously. But these electronic keys, the one you slide in the door and the door reads them and opens opens up, they actually keep a memory of which keys were used. So this way, if anything happens, they can look up who entered the room. In fact, sometimes this is used for murder trials, where uh, that becomes relevant information. So I thought, well, somebody came into his room. So I thought probably it was the maid who did it and that uh, they would only have the indication that the maid entered, but if the maid was supposed to enter, then what does that really prove? You know, for all they know, he could just be making this up to get money. He could just be mad he lost in the casino. I didn't think that was the case, but that could have been the case, and you, you would never know. They would never know, and they would never give him anything for it. But I thought, maybe there's something else going on. Maybe someone did enter who wasn't supposed to. Maybe we'll, something will come out out of this. Well, there is more to the story. And instead of me telling you 
the story. I'm going to call him up. He gave me his phone number. I'm going to call him up, and he's going to tell the rest of the story to us. It's a pretty crazy and unbelievable story. And I think he's really getting the shaft here so far. It's not over yet. But uh, definitely uh, an interesting story and one that everyone should be aware of. And I really think it, it looks bad on the Rio so far. The Rio is not doing the right thing. And believe me, I'm not so delusional to think that if a guy claims that he got stolen from him, there's no proof that the Rio should reimburse him. They shouldn't, because it's uh, people can just make up anything. Say, hey, uh, people stole money from my room. But this one really looks to me like uh, the smoking gun is there, and you'll see why. Hello? Eric, hello. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, hi. So uh, this is uh, Todd Dandruff with Tell Us on Poker Fraud Alert Radio, and uh, happy to have you on the show here. I, I just gave a, a brief synopsis of uh, the first part of your story, not not the part you posted about recently. I'm going to have you tell that part. Sure. But just, just about, I told okay. I told the audience about uh, how you got the money stolen from your, the money that was in your suitcase stolen and your iPad stolen from the room at some point when you were gone. You did not have a do not disturb up. Uh, and, and, you know, of course, at first you thought it was probably a Rio employee that came in, like maybe the maid and stole it. And you so you uh, so let's go from there. What did you do at that point when you found the money was gone? Well, I uh, I immediately contacted Rio security and um, had them come up and, and take a report. And <clears throat> not to belabor the point, but it, it was just this overriding theme throughout this whole experience that <clears throat> they they just kind of questioned like it, it had actually even happened uh, throughout the process. Everyone at the Rio was just kind of like, uh, are you really sure you had it in there? Are you really not a money? And uh, so I filed the security report and then filed the report with Las Vegas Metro PD. And that was that, was that for um, about 48 hours. And what, what did they say they were going to do at that point? Um... They said... The security said that they were going to run an analysis on the key card computer on the door to see who had come in. And they would turn the entire investigation over to their risk management department and that they would be contacting me within like five to seven days. Yeah, and it's interesting. I actually dealt with that same risk management department a few years ago. A totally different situation. It wasn't about any uh, theft or crime. But uh, when I was parked in their parking lot, uh, debris blew into my car that they left mm. sitting out in their parking lot and and, mm. and slammed into my car. And I said, you know, I want you guys to pay for the damage it caused to my car. And, and they at first said, no, you know, we can't help it if a storm comes in. I said, yeah, but you can help tying right. down your stuff. And they gave me that same risk management department. And I thought I would have a big fight with them, but they actually paid up. But the damage was not that major. The damage, I think, was like $660. So I think that's why they right. just coughed up the money. So so, so go ahead yeah. and tell us what it's, happened it's after it's that. ironic that, yeah, it's... And it, it'll be. I'll point out a little later why that's ironic that it was only six hundred sixty bucks because that does that plays a part in this whole story. But you know, about forty eight hours after the the theft, I, I got a call from the um, someone who identified himself as the head of security. It ended up being the head of, of WSOP security, which is different than the real security. And they uh, asked me if I was still at the Rio, and I said yes. And uh, they asked me if I'd come down to the pavilion room. So I did, and they walked me back through the through the annals of office hallways in this office, and I met with the head of security and a, and a uh, Caesars investigator, 
who um, really asked me over and over again, was I shocked I had $3,000 in my in, in my suitcase? And I said, well, I was very sure. Not only do I have a, a excuse me, a, a, a bank withdrawal slip, but uh, I, I, that was my tournament buy-ins. I was going to play in the 1500 on Saturday, the 1000 on Sunday, and, and uh, a couple of deep stacks. And uh, he asked me several times, and I said, no, I was sure. And uh, he pulled, he pulled, he whips out 10 $100 bills um, like he's, like, spreading them out on a pit table <laughs> and says, well, this is this is uh, uh, all they said there was. Wait, wait, who is and, they? And I, I, yeah, I said, I said, what are you talking about? I said, they, who's they? And they kind of got, they, they wouldn't answer it. And then he uh, he reaches over on a desk and pulls my iPad out from underneath some pieces of paper and says, is this your iPad? And I said, yeah, it is. And I was a- able to easily identify it. And I, I said, okay, so you guys are, what you guys are telling me is that one of your employees did this. And they said, no, no, it was just a misunderstanding. And, you know, and I, I've been very, I've been very open in a couple of discussion threads where I posted this some very popular poker uh, discussion forums. I, I screwed up at this point. I should have. I should have absolutely thrown a fit. Uh, frankly, I was. I'd been in Vegas for several days. I was by myself. Uh, you know, I just come from dinner, drank some beer, and uh, I was actually. Well, I was actually kind of relieved that I got my iPad back and a thousand bucks. Well, so wait. So they they so, would they would not tell you where it came from though. Is that, they would not tell me. They it, said it, that it, there were some confidentiality issues. It's funny because I, I but I saw your your two plus two post, um, and not that I don't mm-hmm. believe you. I believe everything you're saying. But your two plus sure, two post sure. does, does not mention that they they gave you your iPad back or this is totally new to me or that uh, that, that they handed you money. That this is all they said was there. That's well, crazy. It does, uh, it does I did like I did re I did I've done updates throughout of it throughout it. So well, you're gonna then you're gonna love this then if you don't know about that. <laughs> so they give me a thousand dollars back in my iPad, <laughs> and I said, I said, okay, so you guys are telling me one of your employees did this, and they said, and they were very quick to dismiss that, and said, no, 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 uh, we uh, this is just a misunderstanding. And I said, misunderstanding? What are you what are you talking about? And they told me because of confidentiality issues, they couldn't tell them anymore, and risk management would be contacting me. So I ended up leaving, and I, I like I said, I, I made a big thing. I should have really just raised Kane right there uh, because uh, I mean they were basically like doubting that I had three thousand dollars. What? What? And that, basically saying, well, the that the person that that took it said there was only a thousand dollars, so that we were kind of like good, like we're, we're yeah, that, that's crazy. Like that. Now, did you did you sign anything that I'm accepting this as a no. settlement here? Okay. No. Did you did you take I the money? Now, obviously, you took your iPad back, but did you take the money or did you refuse it? I did take the money. Uh, maybe in hindsight, I shouldn't have, but uh, I photographed it. Um, I photographed where we were. I photographed the iPad and the money together, um, and so that was that. And it took me about thirty minutes. And really, I posted on Twitter pretty fast of what had happened, and people were starting to hit me up. And, I, and it took me about thirty minutes to realize, you know what? Something ain't right here. So I started recontacting the security, recontacting risk management, and um, it it just kept running into just roadblocks saying risk management was going to handle it, risk management was going to handle it. I went all through last week, and risk management called them every single day and left messages, and they uh, wouldn't call me back. So 
finally, I get a hold. Of, I find the email address of the president of the Rio. Uh, I think his name's Gary Sinise or something like that. And I, I, on a kind of a whim, I sent him an email and explained him what has happened. Uh, it's a July 4th, and the guy emails me back in like 10 minutes and says, hey, you know what, uh, I'm really sorry about this. I'll look into this personally. You know, you shouldn't be treated this way. And so I was kind of saying, all right, we're, we're making some headway. Uh, so Friday, I get a call. This is Friday the 5th. I get a call from um, the company that is the Rio's Claims Adjuster. And uh, they say, we reviewed your case, and uh, we're prepared to provide you a settlement of $750 because that's the limit uh, for their policy. That's the most that they can pay out, which is kind of, which is why I thought your figure of 660 was they probably didn't have a problem with it. If they'd have done $2,000 damage to your vehicle, they probably would have had a problem with it. So I said, I said, what? I said, I'm out $2,000. Why would I take a settlement of $750? And she says, well, let me look at, uh, let me look at, it says here that a past guest uh, gained access to your room. And I said, uh, okay, I've never heard that before. You're the first ever told me that. No one from the Rio has ever told me what actually happened. As soon as I said that, she actually kind of, backpedaled and was kind of, oh, okay, well, that's just what it says here. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure of, of the investigation. So I said, no, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to deal with the Rio. I don't, I don't want this settlement. So today I wrote the president again. And I, I told him what had happened with the settlement offer. And I, and Todd, I got to tell you, this is the thing that is, is, uh, is amazing to me that, Look, they they were clearly responsible in one way or another for letting either letting somebody in my room or having one of their employees come in my room and take their stuff. If at any time anybody at the Rio in the last week and a half had just reached out and said, you know what, you've been a loyal customer, and I go to Caesars Properties all the time. I've been going to the World Series of Poke for 10 years. Um, if they had just reached out and said, you know what, we'll uh, we'll give you the $2,000, and you know what, here's a couple nights in one of our properties or something like that, I would have been fine with it. Or if somebody would have had just been able to call me and tell me what happened, I also would have been felt a lot better about it. But not one person from the Rio has even, will even explain to me what happened. Um, and now, so. Now, what are the police saying about this? Have you told the police about these? They, they can investigate this. They, they can force the Rio I to have, say something. And, and, and they, they are. And it's one of the reasons why I haven't really just like settled with the Rio. Um, I'm in law enforcement. Uh, I have contacts at the Metro PD. I called them immediately, and they are helping me out considerably. Uh, the holiday weekend didn't help. You know those government employees, man. Yeah, no, no, you're not. Weekend. You're not but, from Nevada, though, right? Uh, no, I work. I, I live in California. Okay. And, um, and so, and so, uh, they have. I mean, they have a tourism crimes division, which shows you how what a big uh, problem it is there. Obviously, um, but. Uh, they're help, they're working with me, and um, I'm gonna be talking to the detective in the morning. And so I I'm hoping that they will they will will help and kind of spur some action from the Rio because clearly the Rio obviously knows who took my stuff because they got this some of it back. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Uh, they gave you your iPad back. I mean, that's really that's that really yeah, shows they had they yeah. had interfacing. And I, what's what's ironic is when I first when it first happened, I was I was pissed that my my uh, iPad was taken. In hindsight, it's actually a good thing because it's really the only thing that I was uh, has allowed me to be able to 
showed that it actually, I mean, if they were to, if I was just to say I had $3,000 stolen and then they went and found somebody that had some money that I don't have any way to like trace. I don't have the serial numbers of the dollar bills or anything like that. Well, the fact yeah, that they had my iPad actually helped me <laughs> prove that, look, I was telling the truth. Yeah. Well, yeah. And the fact, right. It shows you're telling the truth and, uh, and it shows that they interfaced with somebody physically who handed them the iPad exactly. back, and uh, and they, right. they, they that they can't later change their story to oh we just gave him the money and, and uh, just out of a, as a courtesy and we just told him uh, exactly. to make him feel better that the person said that's what was there we just did it to you know we were going to give him nothing but just to keep him happy we gave him a thousand bucks and said here it is and we can't do anything more but exactly. since they handed you yeah. back your, your own iPad they didn't go buy you a new one they handed right. you your what exactly. your iPad with your own stuff on there that they had to have yep. interfaced with the criminal and they know who that criminal is and I can't see how the cops would be able to complete a report about this without right. having this yep. individual uh, interviewed in some way. Like, I just can't see that. Exactly. And now, it's I, possible I, this interview... Exactly. Now, you mentioned this this former guest, and that really that really got me. Like, when I when I saw this today, when you tweeted at me today, I, I hadn't heard this part mm-hmm. about them giving you back the iPad, but when I when I saw mm-hmm. the part about the insurance company saying accidentally revealing to you, and I'm sure they were telling the truth. I'm sure that it was just someone yeah. re- revealing something that they didn't realize was a secret. Uh, that it was a former guest, and I'm like, wow. So my guess here, yeah. my guess so far, is that there was some screw-up. Either they double-assigned people to your room, or the person who was previously in your room. Was this the first day you were there? Yes. Uh, yeah, so, I, had, I mean, I checked in and was in my room for 15 minutes, and I was, I was out of there. So maybe that's what happened. Maybe the person who had checked out had just recently checked out. They hadn't invalidated his key yet, and, and somehow yeah. there were two different I, sets of keys. The guy's like, "Oh wait, I want to see if I forgot such and such," and walks in. And is like, "Oh wow." I I, I think I, that's possible. The only reason why I was thinking that it was somebody that they they checked into my room after I got there was that they were obviously able to go track this person down. Yeah. So they, that person was probably still at the hotel. That's a good point. So I was thinking that they, they, this person came up there, came in, saw some stuff, saw some opportunity to take some stuff, and then went back down and said, oh, you know what, there was somebody in, uh, in that room. Can you give me another room? Yeah, you know what? So the, they were able to then go track you're probably that right. down. You're probably right. I was thinking maybe that they, uh, the person had checked out, but then they called them and said, uh, "Hey, you better send, you better overnight that iPad back here and send the money you stole, or otherwise, uh, you know, right. we're going to have the police get right. you." And the person got scared and sent a thousand dollars in the iPad, which is possible too. But it, it probably right, does it make is. more sense that they double check someone in. The person stole and right. then moved, and they told the person, "Hey, did you steal?" They goes, "Oh." Oh, um, yeah. I, I I actually thought it was my iPad and my money that was on the table. I I, I had forgot. Right. Like I bet it was something dumb like that, where he he claimed he put his exactly. own stuff down and and and, and exactly. thought he, it was his own iPad. But but now he realizes he has two iPads, and uh, now he knows who to give it back to. Some bullshit like that. I, yeah. I bet that's going to end up being the story. I bet I bet you're right on there. Right. And yeah. um, and you know this is not a. I like. I put this on two plus two. Not for this is not any like huge tragedy. I mean, it's not like life changing money. It's not my life going. It's, no, it's not that big of a deal. The the two things I wanted people to 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 kind of and I said in in a post today. I said, hey, we didn't learn anything new out of this incident. Don't leave valuable stuff in your hotel room, which most we probably all knew. I was in a hurry. I had just flown in. Um, I wanted to go play a six o'clock tournament, and it was like five twenty, and. Uh, I didn't bother to take all my cash with me or put it in a safe. So that's like a that's that's a lesson learned. And then secondly, 
you just got to know that uh, if you uh, dealing with these big hotels, uh, they they preach uh, customer service and all that. But um, you know, if you're uh, if you're just like an everyday Joe and you get something stolen, it's it's a pain in the ass, man. Well, it really is. You know what I can tell you here? Um, in most cases, like if let's say the maid did it, uh, then there'd mm-hmm. be nothing you could do because they they would not be able to distinguish the truth from some degenerate who lost money in the pits and and exactly. wanted the money back and made up the story and the maid was totally innocent. There's no way to tell which one is true. And for that reason, they mm-hmm. can't just go hand money back to anyone who says, hey, I left valuables in the room and it got stolen by the maid. They, they just right. cannot give money right. back under the circumstances. They've probably heard this story a million times. They probably have. But, but once, they, once they've come up with proof that something occurred, when they can hand you back your iPad, or even if they didn't have your iPad, but they did see that somebody entered your room who should not have, like as you said, maybe mm-hmm. someone who was double assigned to your room and walked in and then left, and then you come down and say, hey, stuff's stolen. Well, you had no way to know somebody right. entered your room. Obviously, if stuff disappeared, right. it was that guy. They know you have to be telling right. the truth there. So whenever that happens, right. unless you're claiming you lost a staggering sum of money, like $100,000, sure. uh, right. at this point, they have to say, as a lar- very large corporation, we have to just eat this. And even if the guy really right. lost three thousand, really lost two thousand, is claiming three thousand, we have to eat this because right. we screwed this up. Obviously, he's not making something, got making up the story because he had no way to know someone entered his room. So even if he's right. exaggerating what was stolen, as long as it's sort of reasonable, we just have to do it just for uh, PR sake. Now, yeah, I mean that's how I would. I mean, I, like I said, I'm just. I, I mean, we've all dealt with. Uh, airlines and all kinds of same companies, and they usually, they, for the most part, they step up. And you know, if they if they were wrong, they uh, they take care of their customers. So that's why uh, probably um, they do probably hear this story so often that uh, they probably got to go through uh, the whole rigmarole to to be uh, recompensating somebody because, like you said, I mean it's. Anybody that goes down and blows uh, 10 Gs at the, at the craps table and then just comes up and says, hey, it was stolen from my room, they probably get sick of hearing that story. Yeah. But, now, uh, uh, if, they'd have taken, if they would take the time to like kind of look at uh, who I am, uh, my history there, the fact that I had just flown in and uh, basically spent three days there doing nothing instead of playing in the tournaments that I was going to play in. So. Yeah. Now, now uh, how old are you, by the way? I am 42. You're 42. Okay, so I was wondering, yeah. you know, a lot of a lot of poker players out there are, you know, especially online ones are pretty young. So I, if you were young, right. uh, I was going to say maybe the age played into it where they thought, okay, this is a, a young person we can uh, we can take advantage of him. No, and that's why, and that's why. I mean, I I don't uh, like I said, I'm in law enforcement. I don't go around telling people that. But in instances like this, I, I do tell security up front, so they kind of have an understanding that all right, I'm not. This isn't some. Um, like thief that's trying to run a scam on him. I mean, I'm a father of three, flew in by myself just to play some poker. I'm not. I got better things to do than to uh, make up some story about somebody breaking into my room. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and and so and so, so uh, yeah. I, I, you do actually have some recourse here. If this doesn't, I know you're still in the middle of fighting this, and I I totally agree mm-hmm. with your standpoint. If this happened to me, I and with all the proof you have so far, I would not rest. I would not rest until I got some real answers out of the police about you know who this person was. Mm-hmm. Have they interviewed him? You know, um, and I, and I would not rest. With Rio, there is a channel in Las Vegas, Channel Eight. You can look it up. They mm-hmm. do these like consumer segments where, where stories okay. just like these they carry them when people get screwed by some business, 
And uh, a lot mm-hmm. of times the business gets humiliated into doing the right thing when people get screwed over and then they investigate. And the fact that you have the iPad is, is that's a really strong one because here, I mean, if people heard that this happened at the Rio, you get your money and your iPad stolen, you go to your $3,000, you, you end up in their security office and they hand you back their iPad and $1,000 say, well, this is all the thief said he took. And then want to leave it right. at that. I mean, that would piss yeah. everybody off to no end to hear this in the general public. They right. would hate to have this on Channel 8 News. You can even threaten this to them. You can say, look, I've already got Channel 8 News interested in this story. And I'm, I'm going to go on and do a segment with them. Even if you don't have it yet, you can, you know, you can lie. There's nothing right. wrong with saying. But you, can say, yeah. and, but you can also really go through with it. You can also really go to Channel yeah. 8. I think this is the type of story they'll like. I know if I was a viewer, I, I would really find interest in this story. This is a lot more interesting than just... Guy checks in, yeah. leaves money out, and it's gone. Yeah, and, like you know, it's so, to me, it's so, like, it's so unnecessary. And, and I don't know the, the protocols of the hotels. Like I said, I know they go through this a lot, but to me it is, in this particular, if you were to look at the facts of this case, it's so unnecessary for this to be occurring. And it's very I mean, possible, too, that the guy lost two of the 3,000. Maybe he shot it off in the pits. And yeah. he's like, well, yeah. I don't. He's like, well, I don't want to pay it out of my own pocket now. Like, I have a feeling maybe if the guy had the whole three K, <laughs> that he'd probably hand it back. But it's, it's possible he shot off two of the three K, and yeah. now he doesn't want to dip into his own savings, which may or may not exist. So he just wants to, yeah. you know, give. Otherwise, I would think he'd be better off just saying, I didn't take anything. So right. I, I think they may have scared yeah. him enough to hand back whatever was left, and he probably didn't tell them that. He probably said they were probably telling the truth, and that he said that's all there was. So, but th- right. this guy's right. got to be found. This guy obviously is not telling them the truth, and and you know even if this guy did shoot off the money and can't pay you, this should not be up to you to have to collect it from him. The Rio should right. really cover this, especially because again, it's a, this was their fault. And now, if you were to sue them, that's your other option. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you could win only for the reason that you might be able to win. Uh, this would be an interesting case because on one mm-hmm. hand, mm-hmm. you have proof that they let some, an unauthorized person enter your room and right. your stuff got stolen, and that, that can be proven now beyond the shadow of a doubt. Yeah. But you right. can't prove you really had 3K. So that's well, I, I can't. Uh, I there. I would have a great uh, circumstantial case in that I have a I have a bank withdrawal right. slip for three thousand dollars from the day before. Um, I've had a ten year history of coming on that same weekend to play bracelet events, and this time I flew there and didn't play any. So, like I said, there there would be. You're right. I, there's no way I'd ever be able to prove it, uh, but I would at least be able to. Uh, show a judge uh, a pretty good pattern of behavior that would maybe lead him to think that it, that it was there. So. Yeah. Well, so uh, very so, interesting story, and I, I hope we'll I hope you keep, I hope you keep pressing this, and and please give me updates with what occurs. I'm happy to have everybody. You know, I want everybody on this show who listens here to the audience of this show to hear this story, uh, both to kind of humiliate the Rio for how they're treating you here, which I think is awful, and and uh, also just uh, to make sure to always. Keep your valuables in the safe, and people are scared yeah. of the safe. People say, "Oh, I don't want to use the safe." People are, you know, they can be broken into. Yes, they can. The safe is not totally secure, right. but it's a lot better. But it's one more. It's one more thing for them to have to deal with. Yeah, and so, and uh, I, I would definitely recommend it. Uh, it's funny. I used to. I usually carry a giant wad of cash with me uh, wherever I go in Vegas. My wife's always giving me a hard time about asking me why I'm carrying it with me. Well, now I know why. <laughs> so, and you know, uh, uh, of course, you better not say it on the radio. Someone may mug you now for the rest of the money. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you, you know, uh, also. 
the advice I give to everybody in situations like this, where the company is doing you wrong and they're they're not living up to their responsibility here, is just be relentless. Just just keep press, yeah. press, press, press. Even if waste and, waste and a lot of your time, you, just for the principle. More, be, uh, on that same note, if if you do if you do find yourself in this situation and you anticipate that it's going to be a like a, some like a lengthy battle like this, keep really good notes of who you talk to, specific names of people. Because throughout this whole um, incident, I've talked to so many people at the Rio in different posts and different times, and some of them have, have given me some real BS answers, and I actually wish I could, I could remember their names and stuff like that. And I, I've, I've kept note of some of them, but I haven't kept notes of all of them. And it's really good to be able to go, well, hey, your person in VIP management told me this on, on July 2nd. So that's, that's another good thing to do. Yeah, and and you know what? Maybe you should sue them if if the whole thing doesn't go through. Like uh, when that happened to my car, when when their their debris from mm-hmm. their construction blew into my car, I made a commitment to myself at that point that I'll, I'll let them go through whatever procedures they need to to get this back to me. But if they do not pay me in full six hundred sixty dollars, the cost it was to repair my car, I am going to go to small claims court and sue them for six hundred sixty dollars. I I said I'm going to do it. Maybe I'll lose, but uh, I thought I had a, a, right. a fairly good chance after checking into the law on these sorts of things. There was no, I had good pictures. There was no doubt it was their construction material that hit my car, and um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I took a, I took pictures of how the stuff was not tied down, and I, you know, I took pictures yeah. of everything. I mean, sometimes you just got to do it just for the principle. And, and I, I was committed to do it, you know, and I, fortunately I didn't around. have to, but 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 I was ready to do it, and I would have done it if if they didn't pay me. So so I hope that uh, whatever route that ends up being taken here. I mean, I hope they just eventually back down and give it to you, but you know, use Channel 8 right. and, and, and the courts if necessary, but I, I'd hate to see them get away with this and let the person who stole get away with this, because you know, whoever this person right. was that entered your room is a thief, is a criminal, and, and should have to pay for it, and should have to face uh, criminal charges. I don't know if that, that'll end up happening, but they, they should get more pressure than what's ha- with them now, too, because this person probably gave them back $2,000 uh, short. So, right. uh, so yep. anyway, thank you for coming on the show. I wanted everyone to be aware, please. I, I appreciate the uh, I appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate you giving me uh, the time to have everybody hear that. So yeah, okay, have thanks. a good night. Thank you for coming on. Goodbye. So that was uh, Eric Sansegard, and uh, I think that's how you say his name. I want to get his name wrong. <laughs> name is uh, Eric Sansegard. Yeah, I think I think that's right. Very disturbing story. Imagine somebody enters your room, either a sign there or a former guest. I have to think he's probably right. It probably was a double booking thing. But uh, and the, the the guy steals your iPad, and then you complain about it, and security hands you back your own iPad and says, "Oh, and as far as the money goes, this is all he said he took." <laughs> and you're supposed to say, oh, "Okay, I'm two k short, but that's all he took. That's what he says. So I'll just accept that. That's what the thief says." The thief's giving me back a third of my money. I'm just going to drop it now. <laughs> How did the real think that was okay? How did they think that this was going to play out after that? Crazy. So I, I hope whatever happens, this guy gets his other 2K. And if not, I hope the real gets humiliated big time over this. That is like the opposite of good customer service. I mean, they know they're guilty here. They know they screwed up. So I wanted to get that in first because, uh, you know, this guy is, I think he goes to sleep at like 10 or something, or that's when he said he was available until 10, so wanted to get him on before that. Let's go to a little bit of a lighter story. 
Oh, but by the way, before I do that, uh, don't want to do much more main event talk, but uh, uh, let me think. When would the uh, break be? I think the break's at ten thirty. I'll try. I, I'll try to remember at ten thirty to call up uh, the side dish. I assume the show will still be going and see how he's doing. I think that's when the next break is. But uh, China Maniac, uh, I don't know if I've mentioned this yet. Yeah, I mentioned it at the beginning. He had a very rough day there. He was bought into the main event by C-Money. And uh, China Maniac, I, I reviewed his hands that he posted on Poker Fraud Alert, and I'm not going to repeat them here. You can go read them if you want his thread on Flying Stupidity. But I really think the guy was just a victim of, of running really, really bad from everything he was explaining. I really don't uh, question his play. And I'm not just saying this to be nice. I just I was reading these hands going, oh fuck! I, like I would have lost a lot of chips here too. Like it's just really, really ugly, bad situations where you just have no choice but lose. So very disappointing for him in what I think was his first main event. But uh, hopefully he'll be back next year and uh, can't really run worse than he did. Hopefully he'll run better. Uh, so moving on to a little bit of a lighter subject. Uh, some of you might remember Loveline. Especially if you grew up in L.A. If you grew up in L.A., you definitely remember Loveline. Especially if you grew up in like the '80s or early '90s. Uh, Loveline was a show. I think it's still. It might even still exist. But it was a show that uh, you call up, and there were two hosts on there. There was Doctor Drew, who was the uh, the medical doctor, and he's you know all over the place now in the media. And uh, and then a, a host who's like the uh, the comic sidekick, and uh, you know. The creator of the show was Jim Poorman Trenton, and uh, he actually brought Dr. Drew on later when uh, they needed a medical doctor to answer the uh, medical-type sexual questions. And uh, Poorman was like the comic relief, and he was kind of the uh, main character of the show. And they had various replacements of Poorman. Poorman got fired after uh, various incidents at the station. He got fired 20 years ago. And this, the show was going strong since then with its various uh, replacement hosts, which I never liked as much. In fact, I stopped listening because uh, once he was gone. But they had Adam Carolla on there and uh, Ricky Rackman and uh, various others. But... Uh, in the 20 years since he got fired from Loveline, Poor Man has really struggled. And this is someone I know personally, actually. But uh, Poor Man has struggled and has really not revived his career. A lot of it was his own fault, but uh, won't really get into that. But right now he has a podcast, uh, a pay-per-month podcast. And uh, on this podcast, he sometimes talks about old radio stories or stories about celebrities. Because he got to interface with a lot of celebrities during his time on Loveline, and he got to know people who had various interactions with celebrities. So here's a story about James Woods, and the reason I'm playing that on this show is James Woods is a poker player, in addition to an actor. Uh, he loves poker. He plays cash. He plays tournaments. Uh, if you've played in the L.A. tournament scene, you've probably played with him at Commerce at some point. And uh, he also plays at the World Series. He's played this year at the World Series. He really likes playing poker. Uh, he's one of these older celebrities who likes really young girls. So he's no longer with his previous girlfriend, who was like 28. He's now with a 20-year-old who I think looks about 15. I mean, you see the two of them together. It looks like a girl with her grandfather. It just looks really creepy. It's like it's one thing to see like a 66-year-old with a 28-year-old who looks like a woman. And you think, oh, you know, this is a, this is a dirty old man, but at least it doesn't look like he's like molesting a young girl. But when he's with a young-looking 20-year-old who looks like a teenager... It just, I mean, it's legal, but it, it just kind of looks sick to me. 
Especially with a guy at that age. It's bad enough like a guy my age with a 20-year-old who looks 15. But a, a guy who's 66 with a 20-year-old who looks 15 is really bad. So uh, anyway, here's a story about James Woods, not related to his girlfriend. But uh, allegedly a story about him and the strippers he used to hire. And you can think about this story next time James Wood is at your poker table and maybe even ask him about it if you're brave. I saw on a red carpet somewhere on the website that actor James Woods was on the red carpet. By the way, I told my friend about this. Here's a little funny thing about it. actor James Woods. My buddy had a guy who, I guess, had a stripper company uh, years ago, and James Woods ordered a lot of strippers. And um, I wonder if I should tell this story. Um I guess I might as well tell it because maybe we won't even get to the dirty little secret. I'll be thrown off the podcast. Can you be thrown off a podcast? Okay, i got to tell you guys this story. So my buddy told me the other day that James Woods apparently, I mean, he probably won't mind this, apparently he has an 18-inch dick, all right? Yeah, no, no, no shit, that he is like just a giant schlong. And, um, and so... This isn't even the main story, but I've, I've got to tell you this. So my buddy had a friend who uh, ran a stripper company, and James Wood would order, Woods would order these strippers regularly, and he would um, they would come over to his house, I guess sit at the kitchen table, and James Woods would be whacking off this 18-inch stick um, while they just sat there, and um, he had a giant squirt gun, and he would be like squirting the girls that's all he wouldn't touch them he would be whacking off and using his giant squirt gun on the girls and then pay them and they would go and this would happen all the time so <laughs> that's the story there that's a crazy story I forget the story about his giant penis by the way there's no way it's 18 inches the the largest documented penis in history is 13 and a half inches don't ask me why I know this, but that's the largest documented penis. So whenever you hear about a penis that's bigger than that, it, it, there's something fake or some lie involved. But uh, anyway, I guess James Woods does have a gigantic penis. I've heard about this on Howard Stern before, too. But uh, the more interesting thing to me was the squirt guns. I mean, isn't that weird that he would he would sit there with squirt guns and squirt the girls? That's all he would do with them. There wouldn't be sex. There wouldn't be blowjobs. It would just be hire strippers to sit there at the table while he's jerking off his giant penis and squirting water guns at them. Very weird, if true. Of course, we don't know if this is true. This is just what came from Poor Man on his podcast. But uh, if it is true, very weird. But, you know, it, it's funny. You think about, like, weird stuff you think you're into. You think about perverted stuff that, that you think, oh, wow, you know, my imagination is probably more hardcore than, than most people. Or I'm, I'm probably more of a pervert than most people. And then you hear what other guys are into, and you're like, oh, I'm a prude. So... Like, some of the stuff I hear is just weird. Like I, I can't even imagine what would be a turn on about that, like squirting girls with a squirt gun. I, I, I wouldn't even be turned on by that. I don't get it. It's not even one of these things that like I'm not into, but I understand why others are turned on by it. I, I don't understand why squirt guns. I mean, is it like a wet T-shirt contest sort of thing, or are you just is it like a uh, simulated uh, like simulating his penis shooting semen? I don't get it. I don't get the squirt gun thing. <laughs> but, 
I'm never going to look at James Woods the same way. I hope he's not at my day two table. Actually, I know he's not. I know he's at my table. By the way, in case you're wondering who's at my table, it's a bunch of Europeans, including the guy who finished third in 2009. Anwar Sout or something like that. The guy who finished third in the main event in 2009 is at my table. And a bunch of other Europeans. And a few unknowns. Looks like an okay day two table. Doesn't look great. Doesn't look really tough. Kind of looks like I got an average day two table. Anyway. <laughs> Someone said I got to drop a squirt gun line this time I play at Foxwoods, where I guess he plays. <laughs> All right. Um, we had two female winners at the World Series of Poker this week. In one week. Can you imagine? We have two female bracelet winners at open events, not the event with, you know, the ladies' event. I'm talking about events anyone can enter. Two females won, and with big fields, too. Not like a, this wasn't like a small 100-person field. This was like thousands of players, and we got two female winners. So, the name of the two women who won, uh, event number 54, the 1K No Limit Hold'em, Dana Castaneda and the event number 60, which just concluded yesterday, Lonnie Harwood. That was the $1,500 No Limit Hold'em. I did not play either of those events. But uh, I'm going to play you their poker news of interviews. Not very long. I'm going to play one at a time. And then I'll make my comments about these women because these women are different to me than the other women that uh, I'm typically used to seeing in poker. And when I say the women I see in poker, I don't mean just the, like someone's wife who gets bought in for the event. I mean like a the good or somewhat winning female players. Both of these women are different, in my opinion, than what I'm used to, and I'll explain that in a second. Here's Dana Castaneda after winning the 1K No Limit Event 54. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to PokerNews.com for your coverage of the 2013 World Series of Poker. I'm Chris Dernett, joined by the winner of event number 54, a $1,000 buy-in Nolan Holdem event, Dana Castina. Congratulations. Thank you. Now, you have quite an incredible story. The bloggers kind of gave me a tip. So for those who are viewing, can you tell me where you're from and, and sort of what led you to this event? Oh, wow. Um, that's kind of a long story. Yeah. Well, that's okay. I, um... <laughs> I live in California now, but I'm originally from here in Laughlin. That's where my parents live. And um, a week ago Sunday, I was visiting my grandmother, and she was um, on her deathbed. And I told her, hey, Graham, next Sunday I'm going to play in the World Series of Poker. And she told me I was going to win it. Oh, wow. And then on Tuesday, a week ago today, she passed. And I came up here, and I played the women's event, and I cashed. Um, Not a big cash, but a cash. And then I hopped over into the bounty, and then I cashed that. And then I figured, well, I'm going to free roll that tournament I told Grandma I was going to play on Sunday. And here I am. She was right. I won. That is incredible, and I'm very sorry for your loss. Thank you. And it is amazing that you're honoring her in this way with this win. Congratulations. Now, tell me about this final table. You did get short, and... Did you, I mean, I'm sure you channeled some of the energy just to keep fighting. I did. I mean, I walked into a bottom stack, and I, I told my husband, I'm like, well, I'm going to be the first to go home, but it's okay because I got $30,000. And just, you know, as each person went out, and it was crazy, and then I doubled up, and then again, and 
next thing I knew, I had the big stack, and it was it was definitely an experience, to say the least. Will you stay and play the main now? I want to. I'm going to do my best. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. You've got a lot to think about as far as the rest of the World Series goes, but that is such an incredible story. Congratulations, and, and rest in peace. You know that uh, Poker News uh, logo, that's what that sound at the beginning and end was. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of the Current Affair Triangle. <laughs> you guys remember the Current Affair Triangle? Now I've got to find it on YouTube. Now, now I can't continue the show until I find that stupid Current Affair Triangle. Here. Here it is. <laughs> you guys remember that? It's hard to forget that sound. <laughs> That's what that poker news sound reminds me. In fact, poker news should just adopt that sound. I don't think a current affair is going to sue them. It's been off the air so many years. It should be how every poker news interview starts off. So. <laughs> anyway. Regarding the interview. You know, I liked her after watching this. And, I, you know, you're just hearing this on radio, but uh, you can Google Dana Castaneda and you'll see her. And she's not ugly. Uh, she looks like just a typical woman in her early 30s. I don't even know how old she is, but she looks early 30s to me. She's not beautiful. She's not ugly. She's not glamorous at all. She said she's originally from Laughlin and kind of looks like that. Laughlin is a, a small town 90 miles from Vegas that's uh, kind of like a little Vegas and with a river. When she said they live in Laughlin, they probably really live in Bullhead City, Arizona. Almost nobody actually lives in Laughlin. Most people live across the river in Bullhead City. But whatever. Uh, she kind of looks like a small-town girl like that. And uh, very unpretentious-looking. She sounded very humble. She had that sweet story about her grandmother. Uh, but what I liked about that inter- interview was she wasn't bragging. She even mentioned that she told her husband that if she finishes ninth, she'll still be happy because she got $30,000. And... Um, she wasn't saying, oh, I outplayed everybody. Wow, you know, I just, uh, I, I put the beat down on everybody. They they had no chance against me. They couldn't beat a girl. Like, no, you know, something I hate. I hate when girls who are winning in poker at the moment, or even if they're winning in general, even if they're winning players, throw their gender in your face. I hate girls that tweet all the time, oh, this guy couldn't take losing to a girl. Huh, get used to it. A girl's taking all your chips. I hate that. I hate when girls want to be treated as equals, but then at the same time, they want to rub in your face that they're not equal and they're beating you. Like, you know, when I beat a girl in poker, I don't say, ha, 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 guy's taking your chips. I, I treat everyone at the table equally, male or female. So I, I hate girls that come out with this brash attitude that because I'm female, I'm, I'm going to use this to get in your face. I'm going to use this to uh, laugh at you when you lose against me. I mean, maybe it's an, an effective way to win chips from, from guys that tilt from that, but uh, I'm talking about ones that like hit Twitter and say stuff like that where, where their opponents aren't going to be reading it. So I was actually happy to see that she didn't have that sort of attitude, and she was very humble in the fact that, hey, I would have been happy with ninth, and wow, I got first, cool. It just all kind of worked out for me. And, you know, I did it for my grandmother, blah, blah, blah. So... 
And she even said she may not play the main event. I mean, she wins all that money. I don't know what she won, but uh, <laughs> she's not even necessarily going to go run and put the money into the main event. She's like, yeah, I might, I might not. I don't know. So, I, th- I think it's cool when an amateur like that wins. And from what I hear, uh, you know, people who watched the final table, of course, she got very lucky. But they said she actually did some, did a good job with her big stack. Once she got the big stack, they said she ran some pretty good moves. So, good. Let me play the other one. This is uh, Lonnie Harwood. Lonnie Harwood is probably a better player than Dana Castaneda. I, I can't say this for sure. I haven't seen either of them play. But Lonnie Harwood definitely has better results. This year, Lonnie Harwood has made three final tables at the World Series, is number three now in the Player of the Year rankings, has won a bracelet and you know made two other final tables, finishing, like I don't know, like fourth and sixth. And... Uh, Two of these were at very large field events, including the one she won. So listen to Lonnie Harwood interview with her. This is again with uh, Poker News. Here we go. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Let's try that again. Hey guys, you're watching PokerNews.com. Welcome back to our coverage of the 2013 World Series of Poker. I am so excited to tell you that another female has won an open bracelet event here this year. Lonnie Howard, she's taken down the $1,500 No Limit Hold'em event, $600,000, and your very first gold bracelet. What's going through your mind right now? Yeah, I'm pretty much overwhelmed. It honestly hasn't hit me yet. It's pretty awesome, though. I bet. She has had an incredible series. Uh, you're de- very dedicated to the circuit events, right? And it has paid off all that practice. She's come to this World Series. She had a sixth place, a fourth place, and now a win. What are you doing differently this year? Uh, last year, I didn't really play many events. I only came out for the summer to play five, and then this year, I want- I said I was going to play more. And I don't know. Just just lucky. Yeah? <laughs> That's what you think it is? You get a little bit of run good mixed yeah. with the talent? Yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty much. A yeah. lot, lot of run good. Okay. Right. Well, tell us about this final table and the, the journey to get to win this bracelet. Uh, it was it was very tough in the beginning. Uh, there was uh, Sonny was at the table in the beginning, and he he put me in like spots, and I got we got it in a spot where it was like flipping, and uh, I was lucky to hold. And uh, I don't know. I had the chip lead pretty much going through it, which helped a lot. Yeah, I'm sure many people were rooting for you. Everyone wants to see you go yeah, in. I love it. Thank, I want to <laughs> thank all my fans. Yes. You have an awesome rail. I mean, they've been cheering you on all of these final tables I've seen you at. Yeah. And that, must, that obviously helps, you know, having people support yeah. you, right? Yeah, really. My friends are awesome on the rail. Yeah. Good. So, as I said, $600,000 first place prize. And... This title, I and mean, what does this mean for you now? Honestly, it's a dream come true. Yeah. You're going to see a lot more of Lonnie Harwood now? Probably. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so. Well, huge congratulations to you. Awesome to see you win. We're going to see plenty of her. Very best of luck in the main event. I'm guessing that you're entering tomorrow. Yeah, yeah? tomorrow. All right, <laughs> awesome. Well, you can follow her progress right here on PokerNews.com. All right, so... Uh, People in the chat are saying uh, some not very nice things about how she sounds. Um, she sounds like a stoner. She, I won't say the other things. But uh, look, this girl, again, 
seems down to earth. She seems kind of shy, actually. Um, I did notice something interesting in the pictures of her friends that were supporting her on the rail. Not one of them was female. Every single one of her friends was a dude. She didn't have one female friend there. And she, she kind of, you know, she definitely has a tomboy look to her. She's not bad looking. Again, she's not ugly. She's 23 years old. Uh, she, She's okay looking. I, I would say, in my opinion, and not hot, but not bad. Um, does have kind of like a tomboy look to her and tomboy mannerisms, I would say. She even is wearing like a backward baseball cap. But uh, she admitted she was lucky. She didn't say, wow, I'm owning everyone this year at the World Series, which she pretty much has been. She has six caches, three final tables, and a bracelet. <laughs> she uh, she admitted that she's been running really well. And I like to see that. Nothing about her being a girl. Notice nothing she said was about being female. The announcer said stuff about her being female, but she didn't say anything about being female. She just kind of sounded like, well, you know, thank you everybody for supporting me. I'm so happy this is happening. I've been getting lucky. Hopefully, you know, luckily my my flips held. So, I can tell you from some people who described to me her play. Because I've talked to some of them. They just happened to be talking to me while I was playing. Yes, she did get very lucky. She's a very aggressive player. She doesn't necessarily shove it in bad, but she shoves it in when, like, a lot of semi-bluffing. She's got a flush draw, she's getting it in. Uh, she thinks you're weak, she's she's forcing it in. One time she got it in with, like, King-8 against Aces, and the King-8 won. Pre-flop. So, yeah, that happened a few times. You know, we had some things like that. We had other spots that were marginal that she would just push. She was just a very aggressive player, and it worked out. When you're running well and you're very aggressive, you're going to destroy everyone. Now, of course, when you're very aggressive and running well, sometimes you risk the possibility of your run good stopping and just killing all the progress you made all that time. So I think there's actually something to be said about once you get a big stack from being very aggressive to change gears and then get more conservative and not waste all the chips. But some people only have like one speed, and that's what I heard is the way she plays. But she's actually been very successful, not just in the World Series, but since like the end of 2012, she's been winning circuit events. And, uh, you know, by far her big successes have happened this summer. But she's really been quickly rising through the ranks in poker. So she's doing something right here. I'm not gonna I'm not going to criticize her play when she has two final tables, a bracelet, and six caches in 2013. Obviously, she's doing something right. But I will say, uh, this probably isn't sustainable for uh, winning like this over (laughs) the long term. But hey, you know, maybe she'll still get overall strong results over time, just with the way she plays. Uh, But I will tell you something I've noticed about female poker players in recent years. And I'm talking about the good female poker players, not the dead money, like, middle-aged women that show up and just, you know, check call off their stack. I've noticed that this hyper-aggressive style of play is getting more and more common with females, almost like they're overcompensating for being female. Like, they think that everyone thinks that they can push them around because they're a girl, so they're actually going to play a lot more aggressive than the guys do, and then the guys will get uncomfortable and won't know what to do, and and, uh, they'll run them over. And I think it's worked to some degree. It's worked for Lonnie Harwood, for sure. Um, 
This Dana Castaneda I heard got aggressive towards the end. I don't know how she was playing up till then. Uh, I have personal experience with one. Last year, the 2012 main event, I played on day three with Elizabeth Hille from Norway, who made, I think, 11th place in the main event, and she was really aggressive. And uh, it was so frustrating for me because I couldn't catch a freaking hand. Whenever I tried to steal blinds from late position, uh, she was coming over the top on me from the small blind, and I, I have had, like, I have hands like queen seven and had to let him go. Even though I thought she was making a move on me, like, I, I, I wasn't going to get all my stack in with queen seven just to find this time she happens to have ace king. Or even yeah, at least I'd have live live cards there to find out if she has kings or something. So uh, she was really aggressive, this Elizabeth Hillay. So we have a lot of people who um, I've noticed a lot of young females who are just playing a really aggressive game. Another one I've noticed that plays this way recently, though she hasn't really won anything big at this point, but Poker News seems to love her, is Lily Newhouse. Now, Lily Newhouse is not Mark Newhouse's wife, not even related to Mark Newhouse. Uh, she's actually the... She's either the wife or the longtime girlfriend of... Uh, you may remember uh, Bill B and LV from Never Win Poker. This is actually his like longtime girlfriend or wife. But uh, she has that like really aggressive style. So... It's funny, I'm not noticing that many females these days who play poker, other than the recreational ones, but like the ones who play seriously. I'm not noticing that many who have just like a solid, tight, aggressive game. I guess there are some like not too well-known like Asian females like that. Like I have played with a number of solid Asian females that just play like a tight, aggressive game. Uh, But no one really knows who most of them are. But it seems like the ones that I keep seeing break through. I'm just noticing a lot of females, especially the white ones, that have this like hyper-aggressive style. So, the one good thing about that hyper-aggressive style is if you're running well, you're really going to go deep and you have a decent possibility to cash, and not to cash, to win. And you'll see these people blow up and throw away their chips. And, like, sometimes I can't believe it. Sometimes I'll see the chip leader will be gone uh, within a few hours. And I go, oh, my God, if I had that stack, I, I would last such a long time with that. And, and like, I'm not like a Kessler-type nit. You know, like, I'm not, I'm not waiting for aces and kings. I guess maybe I am since I folded kings, but <laughs> maybe I'm just waiting for aces. But, no, I, I take chances sometimes. But uh, when I play poker, I, I always try to analyze the situation and say, am I ahead? Am I behind? If I'm behind, I should probably fold. I don't like to just, like, shove it in. And hope I can just run everyone over from pure aggression. That's just not me. Um, I'm talking about tournament poker here. So, I know the aggressive style can work very well. But it can also like really shoot off chips and you can end up with long stretches of not winning anything. And I've seen that happen to some very aggressive players. Like uh, Jeff Madsen was one. And Jeff Madsen, you know, he, he won a bracelet this year and good for him. But uh, he really had a long slump between when he won those two bracelets and had two other final tables in 2006 at the age of 21, and then he went through seven years of misery, pretty much. So Sometimes it's really tough when you're very aggressive and not hitting cards. Also, what's being mentioned in the chat from someone named Top Top. Interesting stat, women make up 4.7% of the main event this year, up from 3.2% last year, so we have like a 50% jump in women this year. So, hey, if these women can uh, play extra aggressive and that's a way they can win extra chips from guys because guys don't really know how to handle it and can't expect it, then uh, great. You know, 
if that's working for him. It obviously worked for uh, Lonnie Harwood. And, uh, you know, I, ha- I have to give them credit. I have to give uh, Lonnie Harwood credit for all her success. Uh, same with Dana Castaneda for winning. And so far I like what I see from them because I just hate the arrogant female poker players. I hate the female poker players that, especially the ones that are pretty too, the ones that uh, think, oh, I'm so pretty and I'm a female poker player and I've won such and such tournament. And now I like the world is my oyster. Now you all are below me. Now you all have to look up to me and I am above all of you. The peons down below. That's what some of the females in poker act like and I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I think it's refreshing when you have the girls that just act like the normal everyday girls you meet on the street. Act like the woman next door rather than uh Acting like a superstar or a supermodel. So, I hope more girls like this win. And uh, fewer of the high-maintenance, arrogant types win. I'm not going to name names, but uh, you guys probably have an idea of what I'm talking about. And someone just said in the chat, confirmed Druff hates women. That's not true. I I don't hate women at all. And in fact, I'm sitting here praising two women. I just hate arrogant women. I hate stuck-up women. And, uh, you know, I've never liked those type of women. Even when I was in high school. So. These, These women who won these events, those are the type of women I like and respect. And I'm not talking about physically. I'm not talking about you know, who I find physically attractive. I'm talking about uh, personality-wise. That's who I like and respect a lot more when you can you can win and uh, be female and just not even bring your gender into it. Just say, great, I won. Yeah, I ran well. Yeah, you know, I'm glad this happened. Thanks to all my friends. Thanks to all my supporters. Great. <laughs> all right, so let me move on here. And uh, by the way, speaking of women... Bad guy 23's girlfriend Josie the Pussycat is in the chat right now saying, Druff, I'm cheering for you for the poker gig. I don't know what a poker gig is. That's kind of like a poker job. Someone's saying in chat, has anyone discussed Adam Schoenfeld's new job? No, I don't even know what his new job is. So, let's move on to our next topic. After the uh, Atlantic Club failure, PokerStars has a new partner. As you guys may remember from last week, PokerStars attempted to buy a struggling casino called the Atlantic Club, and the Atlantic Club was able to back out of the deal because things started to turn around for them, partially thanks to $11 million of PokerStars money that they took. And they didn't need PokerStars anymore, so they said, bye-bye, PokerStars, we're terminating the agreement because you guys could not get licensed in time. Ha ha ha. And PokerStars got screwed. Partially thanks to PokerStars' uh, inability to to, uh, sign a fair contract to themselves. They really screwed that one up pretty badly. But PokerStars has rebounded. PokerStars just uh, shook that off. And PokerStars has now uh, found a new partner. Much like someone who gets uh, dumped by their girlfriend. And at first thinks, oh, I'll never find anyone like her again. 
and then the next day finds someone even better than her. So, Poker Stars will be coming through, coming to New Jersey through a partner called Resorts. This is a statement from Poker Stars uh, CEO, uh, whatever Scheinberg, Isai's son. Resorts is a fantastic partner for us, and we are looking forward to large. Po- to launch Poker Stars in the U.S. in association with the other quality brands Resorts has brought to Atlantic City. We are very happy to invest in New Jersey, and we are excited about building a successful relationship with Resorts. So this is just a few days after Poker Stars' appeal regarding the Atlantic Club was denied by the New Jersey courts. So the article says, As that court drama plays out, PokerStars will now join with resorts to offer internet gambling. It was not immediately clear whether PokerStars might abandon its fight to buy the Atlantic Club, because I guess they haven't given up. I guess they're still trying to still trying to get the uh, Atlantic Club, but they may just give up on that. In the wake of the partnership with resorts, PokerStars spokesman Eric Holreiser could not be reached for, con- for comment. So they're probably uh, done with the Atlantic Club, and uh, now they're going to be offering... Uh, Online gaming through resorts, so they're not going to they're not going to own resorts, but uh, they're going to partner with them to offer online gaming. Uh, similar to how Trump is now going to be partnering with Betfair. So uh, this was actually theorized a long time ago by me and others that the way sites like PokerStars will enter the U.S. market would be by uh, partnering with licensed casinos and just providing their software. And maybe even the management of the poker room But not actually owning it So That's probably happening So You know, poker stars may be coming to New Jersey Pretty soon And uh, (laughs) They're pretty relentless, hard to keep poker stars down So uh, They do have the best software I'll I'll say like I played the ultimate poker software And I I, I saw some screenshots Of the WSOP.com software Which is essentially 888 software And PokerStars blows all those away They've they've always had the best software Even since it was first developed in 2002 I got on PokerStars in early 2003 And I just thought wow this software just blows everything else away So uh, I I think that people in addition to just knowing And trusting PokerStars Over the years I think people will like it just because of the software because it's just so superior. So, Poker Stars is not giving up with uh, penetrating the U.S. market again. But the, don't think you can just play on your Poker Stars account in New Jersey. It's going to be completely different. It's going to be like a second Poker Stars running with a separate player base that's only for New Jersey and or New Jersey or whoever uh, partners with them. Um, New Jersey law apparently allows partnerships with other states. By the way, so. Provided the federal government's okay with it, uh, maybe we will see a New Jersey-Nevada partnership sometime in the future, though there has been no timetable specified for that, and it hasn't even been uh, specified yet that they are interested in doing this, but uh, you have to think that they are. It would probably help both states if they were to do it. But of course, there's the matter of who gets the money, who gets to keep the rake. You know, If a player from New Jersey plays, plays against someone from Nevada, which, which company keeps the rake? Which state keeps the rake? So there's a lot of that to have to be negotiated. But uh, you might be able to sign on to like a parallel universe poker stars. <laughs> That's just for these uh, states that opt in. So 
Legalized gaming is pressing forward, and uh, I think within a few years we're going to see a lot more of it. Can only be a good thing. WSOP.com apparently did not get launched before the World Series. Some people are speculating that was intentional because they didn't want to have a big burst of users during the World Series and then look like a fail site after everybody goes home. Another piece of speculation about that was that it was intentional because they did not want to detract from their own games. They wanted people to go down and play live. They wanted people to play in the World Series tournaments. They wanted people to play in the pits and not sit playing online. That they would feel like they're competing with themselves during the World Series, so they'd actually prefer to offer it just after the World Series. So, I guess we will see when WSOP goes up, WSOP.com goes up for real money, and how that affects Ultimate Poker. So, let us move on here to our next topic. I love that sound. Well, we've talked about a current affair from the 80s. What about another big icon of the 80s, the Burger King guy and Burger King hats? Remember the Burger King hats? You'd go to Burger King and uh, as a kid and your mom would uh, get you a kid's meal and they'd hand you a paper hat, like a crown. Looks like a king's crown. And you you put it over your head and you feel like you're the Burger King. You remember the Burger King hats? I'm sure you've worn one at some point. Well, there's a guy who didn't just wear one at some point. He wears one every day when he plays poker. There's a guy who actually wears a Burger King hat every time he plays at the Borgata. <laughs> so... Uh, this is a, a crazy story here And uh, Keep in mind everything I'm going to talk about here is Alleged, this is not verified But uh, I have to say personally I believe it So there's an individual Named Tony Calamaria And Tony if you're listening to this You're welcome to call in and defend yourself If this isn't true I Let anyone come on the show And defend any allegations against them This is not a one-sided show Everyone gets equal time to defend themselves even Russ Hamilton, if he wants to call in, can defend himself, though I'm sure he never would. Uh, Tony Calamaria always wears a Burger King hat when playing at the Borgata. There's actually a picture of him wearing the Burger King hat on the Scam Scandals and Shadiness forum, sitting right there at the table with a hat on. And uh, they've gotten to know him there as the Burger King guy. Um People don't. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't seem to like him too much, and he's known as a big degenerate. But it's much worse than that. He allegedly walked away from a Bellagio poker, not Bellagio, a Borgata poker table without paying two thousand dollars he owed to the pot. Now you may say, "What the hell am I talking about? How can you owe money to the pot? Don't you just put your bet in, and then they push it to the winner if you lose, and they push it to you if you win? How can you owe money to the pot in a casino?" How does that make any sense? Well, let me explain a little-known law that all of you should be aware of when playing live poker. And that is casinos cannot compel someone to hand over their chips under any circumstances. You heard that right. The casino cannot force anyone to take chips that are in their possession 
and hand them over either to another player or to the casino itself. If you are holding your chips, you can keep them. Now, law enforcement can confiscate them from you or can put you in jail for not uh, giving your chips as you're supposed to. A court of law can force you to hand over the chips, but a casino cannot. A casino, security, no one there can forcefully take chips from you that are rightfully yours to begin with. Now, if you steal them, like if you uh, if you run over to a blackjack table and just grab the chips off the table and run, yes, they can tackle you and take them back. But if these were chips you legally acquired in the first place, casinos cannot take them from you if you're holding them. So, this is why casinos are so picky about where you place your bets. Think if you're at a blackjack table. You can't just say, all right, I'm betting $50 next hand. No, you have to take your $50, you have to put it in the betting area. It has to be very visible that you have put your $50 into the betting area. Because once your $50 is in the betting area, it's no longer yours. Now it is belonging to the casino. It is managed by the casino. If you win the bet, the casino is required by law to pay you your bet and basically give you your money back plus what you won. If you lose the bet, they have the legal right to take that money because you've placed it in the betting area, which is considered the casino's area. But you're considered to have given up your chips temporarily once you put it in the betting area. Now it's under their control. When it's in your hand or sitting in front of you, it's under your control. They cannot take it. So that's why casinos are obsessed with making sure that your money is very clearly in whatever betting area in whatever game you're playing. So if you lose, they can take it legally. So if you bet 50 bucks on a blackjack hand and you have your $50 down in the betting area, if you lose, you cannot reach and grab those chips back and say, tough luck, you can't take these from me. No. Then you've just reached into their chips and took them, and then they can physically come and take them back from you. But if you were just to say, hey, I'm betting 50 bucks on this next hand and then lose, they can't take them from you. They can bar you from the casino, but they cannot take them from you. They can sue you, maybe even win, but they can't take them from you. Now, how does this apply to poker? Well, poker is the same thing. If you say in a cash game, bet $5,000, that's a binding bet. And your opponent is, is then expected to you know, call or raise or fold. But if, you, if he calls and you lose the hand, and you haven't actually put your $5,000 in, the casino cannot take $5,000 out of your stack. The casino can kick you out of the game, They can kick you out of the casino. They can call the police. But they cannot physically take those chips from you. Not only that, they they actually have to cash you out. If you want to take those chips, they're supposed to go to the other guy. You go cash out, they have to cash you out. So, this is basically what this Tony Calamaria did. But how exactly did it happen? How exactly did this uh, Tony Calamaria... Get screwed this way, or you know, get screwed. How do you screw allegedly somebody else this way? Well, a two plus two poster who goes by Dangle. Don't know who he is in real life. He claims to be a ten twenty five no limit regular. Posted the following. He said half hour ago. So I guess I guess he went and immediately posted on 2 plus 2 after this happened. The guy who wears the Burger King crown is super tilted after busting at 510 PLO and comes back to the table with 2K. He asks for a 2K flip. Third person who I'm playing heads up with agrees to sit out for the flip. So so basically this guy uh, said he wanted to uh, take $2,000 and do what's called a flip 
where everybody just goes all in blind without looking at their cards before any flop, and then uh, just the cards being dealt out, and whoever wins gets the money. So I guess this guy wanted a three-way flip, this uh, Burger King guy. The th- there were two people at the table in addition, in addition to the Burger King guy. So um, one of the people at the table said, no, I don't want to do this. Dangle said, sure, I'll do it. I'll do the flip with you. Which, you know, each player has an even chance of winning. Nobody has an advantage in a flip. It's just like a, a degenerate way to gamble without having the odds against you. So uh, they agreed. But since it was at a PLO game, you can't just uh, say all in. You have to keep potting it and repotting it until you're all in for 2K. So that's what they did. The Burger King guy had 2K. Dangle had more than 2K. And they, they, they agreed to both say pot, 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 pot without looking at their cards uh, until Burger King guy was all in. And then they'd run the whole thing out. So it turned out both of them uh, had decent hands. Uh, Burger King guy got lucky enough to be dealt uh, aces as a PLO game. Uh, but unfortunately, he still lost the hand. Two jacks ended up on the board, and uh, he lost the hand. So... Uh, Dangle made the mistake, and this is a common mistake, actually, of not forcing the Burger King guy to actually put the chips in. They just kept saying, pot. Well, I repot. Well, I repot. Well, I repot. Okay. I call. Okay, we're in for 2K. But no one actually put their chips in. They just said, pot, 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 back and forth, which was the agreement. But because the Burger King guy did not actually physically put his chips in the pot, he just declared his chips were in the pot, they could not take his chips and and give it to Dangle. So Dangle, of course, complained. And security allegedly said that, you know, they watched the tapes and everything. They agreed that uh, this happened the way he said. So they told him he has to pay up now or be permanently banned for the Bogota. And the Burger King guy said, no, I'm not paying. And they banned him. So this Dangle guy is now offering $500 if anyone can find a picture of him in the casino so uh, he can get this guy busted for... Setting foot on the property when he's not supposed to be there I don't know if this uh, Dangle will really pay up I don't know if, who he is But that's what he's posting on 2 plus 2 And again I, I don't know for sure this story's true But uh, it sounds like it's true So uh, That's what happened there And I, I, you know, I, I'm just trying to warn everybody that uh, when you're playing live poker, you should always make sure that your opponent actually has the chips in the pot before you do anything. Don't just let someone say, bet whatever. Now, in tournaments, it's fine. The reason in tournaments this can't happen is because the tournaments, the money is awarded by the casino only if you followed all the tournament rules. In a tournament, they can disqualify you at any time for any reason. So let's say Burger King guy pulled this in a tournament. Let's say he pulled this at the World Series and said uh, in the river, bet 10,000. And you say, okay, I call. And he's like, ah, ha, ha. I'm not putting the 10,000 in because I don't have to. Well, the problem is tournament chips don't have any actual monetary value. Tournament chips are only uh, tokens that keep you in the tournament. So what would happen at that point is you would call the floor man, and the floor man would disqualify Burger King hat guy for refusing to put his 10K in. And that would be that. And it wouldn't matter what his stack is. They would just disqualify him and he would not get any money. And that would be completely legal for them to do because he will have broken the rules of the tournament. So that's why this can't happen in tournament poker. They don't have to physically take his chips. They can just disqualify him. But in cash games, they cannot take his cash. They cannot take his monetary chips. 
unless he's put them in the pot. Once he's put them in the pot, he can't reach into the pot and take it back. But uh, always make sure your opponents put their chips in first, unless you know them really well. If it's like a regular with a good reputation who's been coming to the casino every day for 10 years, and he says, bet whatever, and you say call, there I wouldn't make sure he puts the money in, because you're pretty sure he's going to. But any unknown, any somewhat shady guy, anyone you think could possibly pull this on you, always do nothing until the chips are in the pot. And just say, say, uh, you know, when you say 3,000, say, okay, well, put 3,000 in. And then just don't act until, until they do that. Don't say call, don't fold, just say put it in, and once they put it in, then you can act. In fact, don't even fold, even if you know you're going to fold. Wait till they put it in. This way no one can angle shoot on you like that, especially at no limit. In limit, this is less likely to happen, because in limit, the bet is smaller. So if somebody is uh, a regular at the casino, or even a semi-regular, um, or even if they just want to come once in a while, no one's going to get banned over putting in like the final bet on the river in a limit game, because there's just not enough money. But for a large sum of money, where they just declare a bet on the river, or declare a bet all in pre-flop, then uh, it may be worth it to them to not pay. So, now they think that maybe the Burger King guy will pay up eventually, because uh, I guess he's a big degen and really, really wants to play the Borgata, so I don't know how he'll uh, take not being able to go there. So, maybe he'll go back and settle with them and uh, give the 2K, and then he'll maybe be able to come back. That's what this guy is hoping. So if you see the Burger King guy at Borgata, beware. Definitely let this dangle guy know. Take a picture and see if he, he you know, he'll pay up the five hundred bucks. It's possible this is all made up, but I don't think it is. I think it's true. But just remember that when you're playing live, live cash that is, not live tournament, but playing live cash, always make sure the money goes in the pot, or it may not really be yours. All right, so. Next item. Next item on the agenda. Doug Lee. Doug Lee has been the subject of a lot of criticism. Um, A lot of people have made fun of him, both the way he plays poker and his general demeanor. A lot of people say Doug Lee is very delusional. People hate on him all the time on 2 Plus 2. Seriously Serious, who works for Bluff Magazine now, which is the reason he's not uh, co-hosting this show anymore, did an interview with Doug Lee. It's pretty comical. And in fact, Doug Lee mentions how angry he is about the fake Doug Lee that's on Twitter and feels powerless to stop the guy. There's a gimmick Doug Lee account on Twitter, Doug Lee Poker which exists kind of like halfway to make fun of Doug Lee and kind of just halfway to make uh, irreverent comments about the poker world. So here is the real Doug Lee talking about his coaching and uh, other things. <laughs> no, that's the poker news sound. Yes, uh, right now I am coaching uh, 10 clients right now, so... And they, they paid, uh, they're paying $600 an hour. And uh, I've gotten, and the, the clients that I've, I've taught um, really advanced their poker knowledge. And <laughs> Do you believe he has 10 clients for $600 an hour? I mean, he'd be making bank. Can you, 10 clients for $600 an hour? 
I, how much is he coaching them? I mean, let's break this down here. That means $6,000 for every hour he coaches all 10 of these people. So for 10 hours of work, he makes $6,000. Now, let's say each of these people is getting one hour of coaching per week, and he's working 10 hours a week. He's making six k a week and is clearing over $300,000 just from coaching. Does anyone believe that Doug Lee is managing this? Now, like if Phil Helmuth did coaching, I would totally believe this, but <laughs> Doug Lee, <laughs> I don't think so. And the one guy that I taught, uh, he's made over 12 final tables after I taught him, so in medium-sized tournaments. So he's done really well, and um, he's actually gave me uh, like an extra three, $4,000 uh, for helping him. So... Um, but I'm, I'm very selective on the people that I, I teach. And uh, um, a lot of people come up to me for, for coaching and all that. But a lot of times I don't have time or they can't afford to pay six. <laughs> he just doesn't have time. There's, there's so much of a, a push for uh, Doug Lee to coach them. Everyone comes up and says, Doug, coach me, coach me. I'm sorry. I just don't have time. I'm sorry. $100 an hour. Yeah, they they just have to meet me. But the thing is, I'm I, I have ten clients right now, and and I have requests um, right now from people that I'm I'm supposed to teach. So right now I'm I'm kind of busy. So I don't want to uh, do any coaching until the series is over, and uh, maybe once um, I'm finished with my other clients, I'll be able to do it. But they, they'd have to do it meet me in person and I have to just meet them and and uh, and uh, if they're a good person and all that um, I'll probably coach them yeah <laughs> so you have to meet him in person he has to approve of you as a person you're a good person so like, he wouldn't want to coach Chino Ream who I saw today by the way I saw him standing in the hall with his uh, little uh, Asian entourage there but uh, yeah he only wants to coach good people Doug Lee he wants to meet you in person what he thinks he's doing, he thinks he's being clever, creating fake demand. Groucho Marx once famously said, I would never want to join a club that would have me as a member. And believe it or not, that's the way a lot of people think. A lot of people feel that they don't want to be part of something if just anyone can do it. They only want to be part of something that is uh, above their level, that's, that's almost like too good for them. A lot of people approach dating that way too. A lot of people get turned off when someone that they're initially interested in shows interest back in them. Because they think, crap, if this person is this interested in me right away, then I could probably do better. If they like me this much, then something must be wrong with them. I want someone who thinks I'm beneath them and that I impress enough to get with. If someone like likes me that much right now, they must, uh, they must really be desperate. And like, not even people with bad self-esteem think this. Like, a lot of people just think this. They only want to go for what they can't attain, or it's very difficult to attain. If it's too easy to attain it, it feels like you know, you got it too easily, and it's probably not that good. So that's, Doug's trying to make his coaching seem like that, to where he has to squeeze you into his schedule, he has to meet you, he has to approve of you as a person, and uh, and if he does all that, then you're getting something that's so valuable and that everyone wants. If he says, hey, you know, my, my coaching schedule is wide open because nobody wants my coaching, no one's going to hire him. Um, I, I, don't, uh, I don't talk about uh, uh, my strategies uh, pu- publicly because 
this is the stuff that you don't really read it on books. I, because I played with the best in the world, right? So Phil Ivey, you know, all the all the good players. I basically watched them and, and saw how they played and, and got deep into events and all that. So these are stuff that are, are not taught in books because if they're taught in books, um, there'd be too many good players. But maybe later on... Um, in the future, I, I will write a book and all that on advanced and, uh, and, and help out the masses. When I was playing with uh, Phil Ivey... Before we get to Phil Ivey, he's going to write a book one day and help out the masses. <laughs> he's going to help the masses. That's his, uh, his contribution will be to the world that uh, at one point, instead of paying 600 bucks an hour for his coaching, he will let out all his secrets in a book, maybe, so the masses can get access to... Doug's amazing poker skills. And Jennifer Harmon and all the pros, uh, Phil Helmuth, etc. Um, that was actually my first World Series event that I ever played in my life. And I won it through uh, two satellites, a $100 sit-and-go into a $1,000 satellite, 1000 into a 10000 And um, they didn't know how I played. But I knew how they played through TV, so I basically made a lot of moves on them to get them to fold to accumulate chips. So they're good enough players to be able to fold uh, their top pair, and I was able to do that. So, um, but uh, Phil Ivey is probably um, the the toughest player in the world to read. So, but. He's a good enough player to be able to fold top pair, and I've, I've made him fold probably numerous of times. But um, but now uh, through TV, uh, a lot of people see what I do, and um, it, it's it's harder for me to bluff. <laughs> okay, so. Uh... Doug Lee saying that yeah he was owning Phil Ivey left and right because Ivey's good enough to fold top pair. But uh, now that everyone's seen on TV that Doug's running bluffs constantly, he can't really do it as much anymore. So so why are you going to pay for all the coaching? Why pay for six hundred bucks an hour to learn uh, moves that are now outdated from TV? It's not good. All right, now uh, there's the Doug Lee Poker account. I'm going to go look at it right now. There's an account called Doug Lee Poker on Twitter. It's actually operated by someone who has a Poker Fraud Alert account on the forum and has made at least one post on the forum. That's all I'll say. I won't say anything more about who that is. I actually know who it is. I'm not going to tell anyone. I know who it is. And uh, he actually follows me. And uh, here's some of the latest tweets. Just just the last uh, hour from Doug Lee Poker tweeting up a storm. And uh, it says, Dougley Poker, betting small to win big. DougleyPoker.com. I don't know if he really owns that site. but uh, So he tweeted to the Iceman. This is not the real Dougley. This is Dougley Poker, the guy who's kind of uh, parodying Dougley. Uh, tweets to the Iceman. Who, Dougley Poker has a big feud going on with the Iceman. But Teddy, who is typing for you? Your grammar is too good. Can't be you. What grade did you drop out to become a short-stacking convict? This is to the Iceman. Then he wrote to Amanda Bynes, you're a piece of shit. And uh, then he uh, wrote to Reggie Man, actually, former owner of Donkdown, Money Truck. I guess Re- Reggie Man's doing well at the moment at the uh, main event she's playing today. So uh, that is 
Dougley Poker in the last hour. So this is the real Dougley about Dougley Poker, and he's really unhappy about the fact that this exists, and he just cannot get rid of it. The thread that's written about me, you know, it's it just, you know, a few people that have grudges on me. He's talking about the 2 plus 2 thread. There's a thread, a long-running thread on 2 plus 2 called, like, a Dougley is a toolbox. And it's a really, really long thread that's gone on for years. You know, and it, it's obvious, right, because it, it's, it's a thread that's lasted for so long. And they, they're the ones that have continually put it on uh, to try and needle me. Because they're always thinking, I'm in their head all the time, right? And they, they, can't, they, they can't do anything uh, to, to try and uh, uh, to hurt me, right? So it, it's actually worked out better for me. So just to tell the people out there that um, uh, you, you have to get to know me, right? Like I have a lot of friends, and they all know me, and... And uh, the thread has a lot of stuff that, um, you know, people make up. Like, for example, the, uh, one guy told me that he said, well, I went to Atlantic City and um, I spilled Coke on, Coca-Cola on, on some girl. And I said, well, you know, uh, I'm Doug Lee. I could do anything I want, right? And then just walked off. So those are things that, you know, like people, you know, they, they know it's not me, right? Like it's, it's this total BS, you know, so. And, and so for the record, Doug Lee either did not ever spill Coke on a girl in Atlantic City or he didn't say, I'm Doug Lee, I can do whatever I want. Apparently that is not true, according to Doug Lee. I actually never heard that story, but uh, it's possible it's made up. But... <laughs> Uh, all right, let's go on. Then on top of it, the, the, the guy on Twitter... He's referring know, to Doug Lee Poker. ...is saying all this BS, you know, so it, it's it's probably the same guy that's connected, you know, on there. And uh, I, I tried, you know, Twitter, um, I think a year and a half ago, I I took it off, but he somehow got it back on, right? So uh, the Doug Lee uh, Poker dot on Twitter, uh, he somehow got back on, so he must have some sort of fake ID. So he thinks that the person who operates Dougley Poker, who apparently got it restored, I guess Dougley complained to Twitter, Twitter removed Dougley Poker, and then Dougley Poker came back, so he's given up, he's saying, you know what, uh, the guy must have like a fake Dougley ID to get the, the get the account back, I give up, I don't know what this guy's got, but uh, um, I guess he's going to be me on Twitter forever. That has my name on there, so... It, it's just nothing you can do. It's like he's stolen my identity, and um, and uh, the people that my good friends know it's me. That it's not me. So uh, what's going to happen is uh, the, the guy that's you know representing me in in Twitter. Uh, it's the same thing. Like it, it's happened with you know um, other famous people, like you know Gus Hansen and other famous people. <laughs> Um, it, it, it's just nothing you, you can do, like, um, um, except um, just have the lawyer look into it and um, and then and then basically see 
uh, what can be done about it. You know, I'm going to regret that I said that I know who it is because what will happen to me, I could just see this lawyer, he's, he has, this hotshot lawyer he's hired, will uh, go to court, subpoena me, and I will be compelled by the judge to give up who Doug Lee is, Doug Lee Poker is. And I'll say, I don't want to do this. I'm a journalist. I'm not going to give up my source. And he will say, Mr. Wattellis, if you do not tell us who Doug Lee Poker is, we will put you in prison for 30 days for every day that you refuse to tell this court. And I will say, I'm sorry, but my integrity stands. You can jail me all you want, but I'm not going to tell you. And I'll probably rack up like a 10-year prison sentence just protecting Doug Lee Poker. And I hope he appreciates it. So um, I, I've already went to Twitter and they've, they, they tried to, well, they canceled it and they put it back on. So, um, so uh, I don't know if um, Twitter can be able to, you know, get this real identity of this guy, right, that's representing me. So, and then get his address and, and uh, phone number. So we'll, we'll have to see through what the lawyer says. My, my friends know that um, it's not me, but he's bad-mouthing people. So it's it's probably, you know, the same guy from the Internet that's constantly um, being, um, uh, you know, writing those posts and all that and it, all those defamatory remarks. So eventually he's going to get sued. So it, it's, it's something that um, <laughs> he's, he's going to get um, in trouble with. So... Well, it, it's it's actually good for me to have um, the, the the kids on the internet that write um, the the stuff about me, and they're basically assumptions or they're 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 uh, they're faults. Like for example, um, me photoshopping a picture with the, the world champions. I mean, you can basically you can ask Nolan Dalla; he was there, or uh, Matt Savage, right? They, they they seem to be jealous or so. And um, to have an a- image that, um, you know, like, like all the false things that they write, it's actually good for me because the people read that and they get the wrong information, right? And they, they, they think that I'm um, bluffing or whatever and they pay me off. So I, I actually... So he's saying that he's actually happy, not about this Dougley Poker character, but he, he's happy about the threat on 2 plus 2. Because it, it, he thinks that uh, with everyone commenting that he's always just shooting off his chips with nothing, that now everyone pays him off when he really has it. So he's actually happy that there's a thread there for years, uh, constantly making fun of him and criticizing him. I actually do better, you know, from um, all the misinformation. So that's why I left it there, right? So That's why he left it there. I mean, there's nothing you can do. You can't force 2 plus 2 to take down that thread. You left it there because you can't get it taken down. Can easily get a lawyer to to take it off, but I, I I will probably take it off because, you know, there's a guy on Twitter too that's misrepresenting me. It's going to be taken off pretty soon. So, um, I, I have uh, somebody that's looking into it, and uh, he's seeing what can be done. And uh, um, it, it 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 it's something that you know, like like I said, you know, it's it's helped me out. So, but it, it's it's also going to burn the other other people that um, have put false information about me. So, it, it it's something that um, 
eventually, yeah, the thread and all that will be gone. And I'll- so I don't understand here. He was saying the thread's a great thing. It's making him money. It's giving people misinformation about his play style. But then he's saying, well, it's going to be gone soon. I'm going to get a lawyer. It's going to be gone. So wh- why would you get rid of it if it's so great? All that, so... Uh, and, and a lot of people know that, that it's BS, so... <laughs> anyway, that was the... Uh, that was the Doug Lee interview done by Seriously Serious. You don't hear Seriously Serious' voice, but basically he asks Doug Lee questions off camera and then Doug Lee answers them and uh, pretty forthcoming about the whole thing. So uh, that was Doug Lee. Finally, I want to talk about, by the way, anybody wants to call in for the River phone call, uh, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355, or you can call the hopefully not burning up Mount Charleston phone, 702 430 1808 I don't know where Ryland is tonight He never showed up Makes me very sad I was abandoned by Eric Ryland Final topic tonight The World Series of Poker Oh, someone just reminded me Druff, last break of the night at World Series If you want to call this guy This guy referring to the side dish Let's see how the side dish is doing I hope he's still in it I hope I didn't wait for the break And he's been out all this time all right, so here's the side dish's phone number. We're going to call him. Hopefully he answered. Last time I called him wasn't during the World Series, but I just tried to call him yesterday, and he didn't answer his phone. So I'll have to make sure to qu- hang up quickly so it does not say his phone numbers. I remember his voicemail said that. Uh-oh. The number you dialed is not a... Oh, oh that was my fault. I was going to say maybe he uh, maybe didn't pay his phone bill. And that was my fault. I... Enter the number the wrong way. I think this is the right number. Mailbox belonging to Well, he knows area code 605. I wasn't ready with that either. I said I'd be ready, then I wasn't ready. I just kind of zoned out. Well, anyway, can't reach the side dish. I hope he's uh, hope he's doing well. I hope he's just uh, in the bathroom right now. And I hope he's uh, got a big stack. So, final topic... Uh, Josie the Pussycat wants me to call her, which I, I will do after I get her phone number. But uh, final topic before that, the World Series of Poker main event has upped the value of their bracelet. Now, the main event bracelet has always been nicer than the preliminary event bracelets. To compare, the uh, bracelet I won in 2005, which was actually made in-house, the raw materials at the time were worth about 3000 bucks. I think they're worth more now. But at the time, it was worth 3000 bucks. To make my bracelet I don't know how much the ones currently are worth But probably in that neighborhood Probably a four figure value I heard that the main event bracelet Which is uh, has a lot more diamonds on it Is worth you know it was worth like $40,000 For the materials This year's bracelet This year's bracelet For the main event winner Is worth a staggering One million dollars 
Not quite. Half of that, though. $500,000. A $500,000 bracelet. And we're talking about the materials that go into it, not the value because it's a World Series bracelet. Now, that's crazy. Who's going to want to walk around with a World Series bracelet worth that type of money? And it's not even like you'd ever want to sell it. I mean, I guess maybe you would, but if I won that bracelet, I mean, they would have so much value to me sentimentally that I would not sell it even for $500,000. So I would have a bracelet I really couldn't wear because of its value and being afraid that it would be stolen from me. And at the same time, a bracelet I would not want to sell because of its sentimental value. So the money is just kind of being wasted here. It's being wasted on something that uh, you're not going to sell and you're not going to wear. So I think this is stupid. I think this is over the top. I think they should have kept it at something worth like 40 k So you know, maybe that you're willing to walk around town wearing. But uh, not, not one for 500 grand. That's crazy. So, also, I have to imagine it looked pretty gaudy at that point, be worth $500,000. But that's, that's what the claim is, that this year's bracelet is worth $500,000. But will I be disappointed if I win it? Will I criticize it? No. Problem is, right now, or going into uh, day two, after today's day one is over, I will probably be competing with about uh, 4,000 or so people for that bracelet. Needless to say, I need to run well if I'm going to win it. So let's see if uh, Josie the Pussycat sent me her phone number anywhere. I gave her too many choices. I said, you can PM it to me on on, uh, Poker Fraud Alert. She didn't do that. I said, you can send it to me on Facebook. Let's see if she did that. I have a call coming in. Caller, you're on the air. Hey, Joe. Uh, I'm calling from New Orleans. Um, talking just a little thing about that lock poker. We yeah. Got a couple people down here who said they uh, just got their cash from lock poker. I just wonder if you had any kind of updates on that. I don't play it. I don't fool with it. But uh, there's some people down here that do. Okay, well, uh, full tilt poker which uh, famously went under uh, a few months after Black Friday, uh, was found to only have 2% of the player money on hand. 98% of the player money had been stolen and was gone and was spent or distributed. But they were still cashing people out because there's only a small percentage of the players that are actually requesting cash-outs. So they can actually hold pretend they're holding all the player money while only holding a few percent and actually get away with it and process cash-outs. Now, the fact that Locke has not been processing cash-out for so long, and then finally, after a lot of outrage, started processing a few, all that shows is they're not 100% broke, but even if they've gotten to the point where they're 98% broke, that's still pretty bad, and they've still stolen everyone's money. So there's definitely something very wrong at Locke Poker. They obviously have to pay a few people for appearances. They obviously have money that's been coming in from deposits from people who don't really know what's going on over there. So, yes, they can pay a few people, but until everyone's getting paid and getting paid quickly, especially the rest of the world players who shouldn't have to wait because there's no payment processor issues, until we see that happening, and it hasn't even been close to happening, you can't trust the fact that a few people are getting payouts. Uh, All that means is they're trying to pay out a few people for appearances that they're not broke. Right, and uh, just a couple of names to tell you who said they've gotten cashes. I'm sure you've heard of uh, Scotty Clark Poker um, and uh, the Poker Monkey, who 
got busted out by that girl Hillary last year when he had pocket kings and she uh, made quad tens on He got ashes in the sky. Uh, Scotty Clark, who has a radio show also. Yeah, I know. I know Scotty Clark. He was uh, actually very obsessed with with me for a while, and not in a good way. Uh, and and the poker monkey, I don't have a problem with him. Uh, he seems like an okay guy. But uh, you know, as I said, it's possible they got uh, money, especially because Scotty Clark, I know, was advertising for Lock Poker for a long time, and in fact, was one of their biggest supporters until they stopped paying him. And that's that's actually why he stopped doing his radio show. So uh, you know, someone right. like him would be a great one to pay. So he starts promoting them again. And so he starts right. spreading the word to the masses, and and maybe for the poker monkey too. They figured, you know, those two were doing a show together. Maybe if they get on the air and say everything's fine, that they'll get more suckers to deposit. So a lot of times they pick either the biggest complainers or the people who are more influential in any way, uh, even if they just have a little podcast, uh, to uh, go out and uh, and and spread the word. Hey, Locks paying people, and. Uh, um, so I believe these people probably got paid when they're saying they did, but that doesn't mean Locke is healthy. It just means these particular people got paid. Something Locke has also been doing right. is they've been, quote, bumping up certain smaller cash-outs in the priority queue where larger cash-outs are like six months old or longer, and they, they make up an excuse they're doing this because the processor can squeeze in these small ones because they're not going to get caught. Uh, th- th- that whole thing's a lie. The reason they're bumping up the small ones in priority is because it's easier to pay small cash-outs when you're broke. So they're paying the small ones, again, for appearances, and it looks a hell of a lot better if 100 people get $100 than one person getting $10,000. Right. I agree. And uh, listen, just one other little quick thing. uh, I've been watching all the live streams, and, man, I was pulling for you in that um, limit game there. Hate to see you get busted out uh, when you did. uh, At least you got to the final table. Yeah, thanks to you. You It was was disappointing, but... uh, you know, nothing I could do. I just uh, ran into some bad spots there, took some bad beats, and uh, just wasn't wasn't getting the cards to win it. Oh yeah, we all do that. I took a, I took some bad beats today. I played down at Harris in New Orleans, and uh, just in cash games, getting it in good and getting run down. You know, that's just poker, like they say. But um, anyway, uh, I've been listening to the show all the way back to when he was on Dumb Down and. Um, um, Really don't listen too much to that anymore. Uh, really listen to your show. I like it. And uh, just keep up the good work. And good luck in that uh, main event. All right. Thank you very much for calling. Okay. All Bye. right. Thank you. That's a call for sounds like it's kind of from a random listener. And I always like to hear from these uh, new people or longtime uh, quiet listeners. Uh, now, here is someone who is a, uh, a short-time listener who's, who's not very quiet. And uh, we're going to call this person up right now probably know who it is and then we will end the show I'll get ready to go to sleep and uh, get well rested for tomorrow's day two how could they not be answering they just told me to call them Hello. Oh, there you are. Okay, I thought this is going to go to voicemail. Uh, so, is this Josie the Pussycat? It is. It is. Now, are you with your boyfriend, uh, Bad Guy Twenty Three, right now? No. Really? So no, he's not here. I haven't talked to him since this morning. Wow. So, so uh, yeah, I'm surprised he's not listening to the show. I haven't seen any presence from him today, or actually for a few days. Uh, is everything okay with him? 
Yeah, I mean, I, he got mad at me the other day, but we're good now. Oh, okay. So, so everything in the relationship is solid at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Now you realize what you missed uh, yesterday at Caesar's Palace. The, the new kids were here. Not yesterday. Two Are days you, ago. I didn't know, sir. I, I I tried to pass the message along through the uh, through Poker Fraud Alert. You got to read more. Jeff, you got you have to send it directly to me. I get confused on the like threads I read. There's real random get posted, and it's hard to sift through. So you just have to send me like a direct message where it has anything to do yes. with NKO. I'll tell you what happened. I was at the Mesa Grill at Caesar's Palace uh, last week, and uh, I think it was actually like late June or something, about a week and a half ago. I was at the Mesa Grill, and just eating by myself. And uh, I walk out, and the Mesa Grill is right by the sports book, and also right by the poker room, and also right by the pure uh-huh. ni- the pure nightclub. So there's this gigantic sign on the ceiling that says, uh, "New Kids on the Block coming to Pure Nightclub July 6th." And I immediately, I immediately snapped a picture of it, tweeted it out, and even posted about it, and even mentioned it on this radio show that, that the new kids are coming, and that uh, that you should get Bad Guy to take you here, in uh, by July sixth. And then I finally get to meet Bad Guy after all this time. Well, I'm coming for without him in September. I'm coming with a, a couple of my girlfriends. Are you going to be there? Uh, I, I can't say. You know, September is a while away, and uh, I might be there. I might not. But uh, if you can give me an exact... Okay, if you are, are you going to meet me? Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. And you, you try to get a bad guy to come along, too. Okay, I will. He, he says he's going to go, and then he does. Like, I really am going to go. Yeah, I don't know why he does that. Like, he always says he's going to come, and then I try to encourage it, and then he doesn't come. Yeah, he's antisocial. <laughs> I, I guess he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to leave the residential neighborhood. Well, yeah, when I mean, you live in a residential neighborhood, you don't really want to get out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think that. I think that's what happened. Yeah. So, um, I cannot believe I missed the new kids. I can't either. They were just here, you know, like two weeks ago. Well, why didn't you go then? If if it was like right there in your neighborhood, what are you talking? I did go. Oh, you went. Okay, then you didn't have to come here. It was the same tour. Yeah, I mean, like, a, there could have been a chance to meet them. I could have, like, trolled around the, like, the hotel and stalked them. You know, so I, I have a question for you uh, regarding the New Kids concert. Now, what were the ages of the f- women that were there? Were they around your age, or were there younger girls, too? Well, it, like, most of them were my age, and then, like, like those of us, like, that had kids young. Like, if you had, if they had, like, older daughters, they brought them, too, to try to, like, get them on the bandwagon. I think. Younger <laughs> girls were just busy texting. Nobody gave a shit. But we were real into it. A bunch of, like, 30-somethings going crazy. Really? So so now uh, someone asked in the chat room. They wanted to know if uh, Shaquille is coming also in September. She is actually. Uh, she's so. She is it the same group of people that I saw in that picture? No, there's uh, Shaquille's coming. Um, or they call him the dark-haired one, or the uh, they're both of them, like one five ten, one five eleven. Well, no, the Shaquille one was the one who was just kind of just bigger and yeah, you know, she was tall and also uh, a little bit heavy. That's who. That's okay, who yeah, she, Shaquille. She'll be there, and the other tall one will be there. Oh wait, I guess yeah, all of those girls will be there, and then two more. Wow, that's a lot of girls there. Yes. And what what is the purpose of this trip? Is it just like a girl's trip to Vegas? It's my birthday. Oh, it's your birthday. Okay, wow. Uh-huh. So, you know, yeah. I have to ask you this because, uh, you know, I, I never really 
completely understood this as far as like the girl trips to Vegas. I, I understand the uh, the trips to Vegas where uh, um, where someone goes like with with their boyfriend or whatever. But when a bunch of girls go to Vegas together, uh, are they typically going there? Like to meet guys to have frivolous sex with, or or are they open to that, or are these girl trips usually not about that at all, and they really don't want that. Okay, like and that's what Tom Ur- like that's what bad guy says. He's like, uh, you're one you want to get nailed. Like that has nothing to do with it. And I don't gamble, and I really don't drink that much. Like I'm going, Watley Crew is going to be there. I'm going to go see them. I want to go see the Michael Jackson Cirque du Soleil show, and it's just like something to do. It's it's just a nice place. There's always, like, something to do. Like, you can go have, like, a drink and hang out. No, like, they're not pigs. Like, I don't... I, they didn't fuck anybody when I was there. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they planned to do that, like, yeah. this time either. Okay, because there's there's some girls I, I've heard of that, uh, that are tourists here, and I've heard this from friends. Like, I have a friend who had sex with a woman who was here, who was in her 30s, and she was married... And she had sex with him just because, like, she was in Vegas and she kind of just felt like she wanted to do something bad. And so she... Yeah, she that's met... some desperate housewife shit. Yeah, like, I if, guess. If, if you like, want to she... get nailed, you don't have to go to Vegas. Well, I know that, but like, like, I think once they're in Vegas, they don't come to Vegas for that reason. But once they're there, uh, they, they kind of get caught up in the mood or caught up in the moment and then want to do something like that just because they happen to be in Vegas. Where if they were home back, yeah. back in the residential neighborhood, then they don't want to do it. So th- this friend of mine told me that this is uh, what he did. That you know, a girl actually had sex with him. Actually, who was a uh, an attractive girl had sex with him, and she was okay. married. And she said, you know, I don't want anything more. I don't want you to contact me after I go home. But uh, you know, huh. uh, I, I just well, feel is like he doing. attractive, or was he great? What was the deal? Well, I, I don't I don't judge guys very well, but but uh, I mean, was he hideous? Was he obese? Like, I mean, what? well, from what I could tell. Uh, from the story and from what I know of him, she was more attractive than he was on an absolute basis. That, that's what I will say. Okay. So, so uh, she, I think she was just like they struck up a conversation at like a craps table or something and then they ended up doing it. So uh, I wonder how common this is. And I've heard other people who just like meet girls when they're in Vegas. Uh, some, a lot of times they're single girls. But um, I, I just wonder when I see these like, groups of girls walking around, especially the ones that go to the clubs, I wonder, like, which ones are yeah, here. Yeah, we don't really do that. I think I'm probably too old to, like, fuck random people and go to clubs and stuff. But, like, all the girls almost, I mean, they are attractive. Even Jack, like, she's an attractive. Don't you think? She, I mean, she's attractive. She's a bigger girl or whatever, but she's a pretty girl. Yeah. No, I, I don't mind girls who are a little bit bigger, you know, and I'm I'm tall myself. Yeah, we and, talked about yeah, that. I know. Yeah. We, you like big bitches, and that's cool. Well, no, no like, that's not it, true either. That, they, see, that's where it's getting exaggerated. See, I'm actually just open to a lot of different sizes. That's That's the truth. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, that's fine too. Do you like tall women dress? Like, do you, is it okay that that she can dunk? Like, is that an issue? No, you know what? That's that's fine too. I've actually, you know, I, I actually like a wide range of heights too. I, I really don't like girls who are really short, but uh, from okay. like from like uh, like below average, but not really short, all the way up to tall. All of that is is fine with me. And and, okay. I, like, and I never have the issue where they're taller than me, except in super rare cases. So. Right, that's a big woman. Like, if she's taller than you, she's too big. Yeah. I actually, you know what's weird? I actually saw here at the Rio, I actually have seen a few women who are taller than me. Not, like, taller than me in heels. Like, a, like I just saw one when I went um, to the steakhouse, the Voodoo Steakhouse yesterday for at the dinner break. There was a woman, like, the whole family was gigantic. I think they were from 
Scandinavia or something, but and this yeah, one, like she, the Netherlands and shit. Yeah. those are enormous women. Yeah, she yeah. wasn't she wasn't young. She looked like she was in her mid forties or something. But she uh-huh. was like six foot four. She had his her her husband was with her, and he was like about the same height as she was. And then her son was there. And her son, who looked about twelve, was like the same height as me. I'm like, shit, this guy's gonna end up like seven foot. So uh, right, they they were you. They were yeah, they were superhuman. People, you know, it's funny when I'm in Vegas, I go fairly often for business and like with friends. When I'm, I always see uh, people from the Netherlands, like, and they're really tall and really ugly. Like it's like they're freaks because like when you get that freakishly tall, everything on you is just distorted. I have seen it before where like some girls over six foot like have like a weird look to them. Like it's something just doesn't yeah. look quite right. Not even just their body. Yeah, like a like strong that, jaw or something. Yeah, it's something that, now I, I've seen sometimes where that isn't the case. I've seen some who are over six foot that look completely normal in some cases, very pretty. But I, I've seen other cases where they definitely have like the look. In fact, I've actually seen just like facial pictures of girls and I go, oh, I bet this girl's really tall. And then I asked the person showing me the picture, and then they go, "Oh yeah, she's like six foot one. How did you know?" Okay, you can just tell, like yeah, yeah. because you probably have to have a strong jawline to to hold up. Like my head is enormous, and like Danzo pointed it out, and like it's like I it, my body's just kind of small, so I look like a bobblehead doll. <laughs> like if I was six five, I could be I'd be fucking Victoria's Secret model because well, like that's what they look like. Well, no, like, what, what would they do? Bobble. So what would they do if they made a bobblehead doll of you? Would there actually be like an even bigger head? Oh yeah, like I like there's the normal bobbleheads, like with the huge heads, and like mine would be twice the size. Like my head would tote to the side on my bobble. Yeah. Well, yeah. okay. Uh, so that's that's interesting. I didn't really notice that looking at your picture. Let me. I'm going to go look right now again. Uh, let's let's see. Look right now. I'm, I'm going to look right I'm now. I'm thin, and like my, it, and it's just like uh, my head just looks big on my body. No, yeah, I don't like notice I, that. No, it looks normal to me. I, Really? Yeah, it doesn't look big to me. Not at all. It doesn't look small, but it doesn't look big. It just looks like a normal head. Well, thank you, Josh. Thank I, I, you. Yeah, I'm just being honest. Like, I, it's not even one of these things I don't notice, but then when I'm told, I look and say, oh, yeah, she's right. Like I, I, I don't notice a big head at all. I think sometimes you look at yourself in the mirror, and you're more critical of yourself than others are. Uh, you see... Well, th- you Tom, see th- Tom likes to make fun of my teeth. He says I have Mr. Ed teeth. What do you <laughs> think of that? <laughs> So what, is he saying you have a gap in the front or something? I I think just like do you know Mr. Ed? Like do you remember him? Like the horse? Well, he's just a horse. That's all I remember. Like I don't know. Yeah, like I because he says my teeth are big, so he calls them Mr. Oh. Ed teeth, or George Washington wooden teeth. I, uh, from the what I can, it's hard to see your teeth because the uh, the pictures aren't that close up, but they don't look huge. Or maybe a little bit bigger than normal, but not not noticeable really. And he like, and he says I bleached them, and they, I look like Ross from Friends. Like every everything about me, like if somebody says you have a pretty smile, like he makes it into something negative. Really, That's I don't nice. know why he does that. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes uh, I I don't know why he does that. He he shouldn't. He's very romantic. Very extremely. Well, that doesn't romantic. sound very romantic. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Traveler, I saw you were. On that, like, can I watch you on this poker thing you're doing? I saw it on Facebook that you were I, in it. I hope you can because that would mean that I made either a feature table 
where where they they only do a feature table because that you're going to be on TV and you're with some like really big stars of poker. See, I'm not I'm not a big enough name myself to put me in a feature table. It had to be like me and some like really big names like Phil Hellmuth or something. And then uh, like I was on one four years ago where they put me on just because it was me and Phil Hellmuth at the same table. And, you know, Phil was the really big name, and I was, like, the small name, and then there was, like, seven nobodies at the table. And uh, okay. so it had to be something like that. And uh, otherwise, it'll be if I make it, like, really, really deep and, and making a lot of money. And then I'll really be happy to be on TV. But, uh, okay, so that's when it's televised, like when it gets further in or when, like, somebody bigs at the table you're at. Yeah, and it wouldn't be live anyway. You're not going to see it live. It'll be on ESPN, like, months later. So so you'll just have to follow my updates, and hopefully the updates will be good. Okay. Hopefully the update at the end of tomorrow will be I'm coming back for day three on Thursday. Hopefully it won't be, oh, man, I ran so bad. Oh, man, this terrible okay. beat. Like, I, I hope it's not that, but it, it could be. And uh uh, that's the story. There's a long way to go in this event. Unlike the other events, like the the one where I made the final table, that one lasted three uh-huh. da- three days. Of the whole thing it was over, and at the end of day two, yeah. it was down to twelve people. Like this one's not like that. At the end of day two on this one, you're not even in the money yet. At the end of day three of this one, you're not even in the money yet. You've got to go all the way through like the middle of day four before you make anything, which can be very frustrating. Like the last two years when I went out on day three and got nothing. So I- I'm not even that excited about the whole thing yet because. Uh, one, I only have about average chips, and two, uh, a long way to go. So uh, I'm hoping for okay. the best. And I have a question. So, like, when I ask questions, Tom just tells me to shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> is this like your job? Is this what you do? Like, you play poker, that's what you do? Well, yeah, I, I haven't worked a regular job in 10 years. And I haven't worked any job in 10 years. So this is what I do. I, I don't do that much anymore. Uh, the Most of the money I made was in the past when poker was uh-huh. better and when you could play online more easily. Uh, nowadays, I've, uh, you know, I, I've fortunately saved up the money I made over the years, and uh, and then I'm still playing now, like, at the World Series, and I play sometimes live, but, uh, you know, I, I don't play anywhere near the poker I used to play in previous years. Like, do you just walk into, like... When you're when you're in Vegas, do you just walk into casinos and play, or like at, at a normal table with normal people, or no? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and um, and, like, are, do you gamble also? Like, do you do sports betting as well, or no? You know, I I don't I, I'm not uh, you know Tom is kind of degenerate. He kind of just like fires on things that he thinks are good spots. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm not I'm not like that. I, whenever I place a bet on anything that's not poker. I always want to know that I have some kind of uh, mathematical advantage to it, where it's more likely I'm going to win than lose. So, like when I play blackjack, I'm a card counter. Uh, when when I bid on sports, I was only doing it like when I was doing NFL teasers, where it's mathematically proven that if you bet them a certain way, you're going to come out ahead over the long run. Like I, uh-huh. I only bet in the spots where I'm expected to win in some way. I don't always win because sometimes luck gets me and uh, and I right. lose. But but at least the expectation. Over a long period of time, if you were to place the same bet a million times, you would end up winning. So that's that's the only type of gambling I really do. Okay. All right. Well, if you're in Vegas, I'll give you. I'm going to give you the dates on Facebook that I'm coming. Okay. If you're in Vegas, can I go watch? I just I just want to I just want to go to a casino with you and watch you play poker. It's not that exciting, but you're welcome to. I just want to go with you, and I want you to meet Shaq and, like, the other girls. <laughs> don't call her Shaq when you meet No, I, I won't say anything about that. No. 
Okay. Yeah, the weirdest thing though is like a, I'll be at the poker room with this like big entourage of girls in their thirties, and then like not one of them is actually going to be my girlfriend. They're going to say, "Oh, well, what, yeah, what, but what? you can call my friend Tom won't care." Yeah, no, 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 the, the funny thing is, like, people people will say, so, so so, which one of them is Benjamin's mother? Because actually, like, none of them. They're going to go, what? <laughs> what the yeah, hell is going on? Yeah, just be like, yeah, this is, this is just another one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah go, this, these, are, uh, these are actually six different mothers of uh, six other kids I have. Yeah, I have other kids. I'm almost a big teeth is my girlfriend, if you want to say that. <laughs> They'll say the big teeth. Oh, you mean the one with the big head? Oh, yeah, okay, I remember her. <laughs> the one with the enormous head? Yeah. Oh, that one? Okay. Danzo, you greasy speck. Okay, so okay, drop. So, um, if you win this this tournament, I'm gonna make you some matzo ball soup. Oh, great. Okay. That's that's a big incentive to win. I'm, you know, when I'm trying to win this thing, I won't think about the eight million dollars or the uh, no or the five hundred thousand dollar bracelet. bracelet. Yeah, fuck uh, it, fuck the money. I will make you. Uh, matzo but the matzo ball, ball soup. soup. All right, I, I hope you can make good matzo ball soup. You're only a quarter Jewish, so. No, my Graham, I know how to make it. I have the recipe. Okay, uh, like I got the pork menorah and the recipe. That's all I got. I'm just saying, you know, like uh, I don't know, getting a matzo ball soup from a non-Jew is kind of like eating fish in Nebraska. Are you kidding me right now? I am a Jew. At the end of the day, where the rubber meets the road, I'm related to Jesus. Mm. All right. All right. All right, very good. I'll, I'll keep that in mind tomorrow when I'm playing. And, uh, you know, if I have to fold kings tomorrow to what I think are aces, I'll remember that matzo ball soup. Yeah, don't do anything stupid. You don't want to miss this. Are you going to put an update on Facebook? Yeah, I, I put, well, I put an update on Facebook every day, but if you look at my Twitter, uh, which you can click on the link from Facebook, you can see my status okay. there. Then you, th- there I'm updating all the time what's going on. Okay, I'll, then I'll, I'll look at it on there, too. Okay. All right, well, thank you all for right. calling, and uh, I'm sure uh, Tom will enjoy listening to the segment. <laughs> all right, good luck tomorrow. Drop okay, thank you. Later. Bye. That was uh, Josie the Pussycat, uh, Bad Guy 23's girlfriend, without Bad Guy 23 there. And uh, someone asking in chat, is this chick hot? Uh, this, she's actually a pretty girl. I don't know. Uh, you caught a previous radio show. She mentioned her name. You can take a look at her picture, but I'm not going to mention it again. Anyway, uh, I think that's pretty much our show. Seven seven fraud seven seven five fraud fifty five seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. You know, uh just want to mention this too. You know that the world is close to ending when Quad Jacks actually has hired pretty girls to stand in the hallway wearing a quad jack shirt. They really have. I'm not kidding. I mean the snake in the grass is not involved anymore, so I can't hate on quad jacks, but I'm like I'm looking I'm walking down the hallway at the Rio. I see these obviously hired pretty girls wearing these like tight white shirts with some logo on them, and I go, "Oh, who are they representing?" It wasn't the World Series girls. I'm going, "You know who? Who are they representing?" And I see it says Quad Jacks on there. I'm like, "What? What are they doing for Quad Jacks?" I think the new interviewers for Seth Plansky. <laughs> but yeah, Quad Jacks has girls now. Crazy. You know that poker will have blown up too much if there's ever poker fraud alert girls. So, that's the story that gave me an excuse to play that sound bite that I love to play. Now I have a second sound sound bite I love to play, too. Yeah. The Current Affair. So, we are done. And 
I will be getting ready for tomorrow's main event. Me and a bunch of Europeans. We'll see who gets the better of the chip stacks. So remember to check po- PokerFraudAlert.com early and often to see the date of next week's show. Maybe Monday, maybe Tuesday. Won't be Wednesday, though. I can promise you that. Either Monday or Tuesday next week. The following week, no show. The following week, we will have a show again, probably on Tuesday. The week after that, I believe there will be no show. But uh, check the schedule. I'll be updating it. And uh, after that, after the mid-August hiatus, then we'll be back to every week. So never fear. The show is not going away. Just have some things to do during the summer. You know how that is. Sometimes you think about the future and plan for the future, and sometimes your life is a current affair. I'd like to thank uh, the people who called in, the gentleman from New Orleans, whatever his name was. Uh, Josie the Pussycat, of course. I'd like to thank all the people in the chat room who uh, contribute little bits of content I use during the show. And, uh, you know... Next week, I'll either have a lot of really good news about the main event, a lot of really bad news about the main event, or something in between. I'll be happy with that 46th place that uh, four or more said I'm going to get. I'll take 46. Rather win it, but I'll take 46. I get no matzo ball soup, but I will take 46th place. You heard it here first. So if I bust out in 46 and I bitch about it, you can throw that back in my face. You can throw that sound right back in my face. Sick of that by now. All right, so uh, next week, check on the date, and uh, I'd like to thank everybody who's been around for this broadcast live, and everybody who listens in the archives. And if you're playing against me tomorrow on the World Series, and you're hearing my voice on this podcast, and I've entertained you, and you've got the nuts against me, and I'm betting strong, maybe go easy on me. Maybe let me survive. You know, I've got a kid to feed. That's all for tonight, and no, I'm not suggesting anyone cheat for me. Don't disqualify me, please. Give me a chance. Good night, and shalom. <laughs>